0: what's What's up
1: witches
0: (laughs) one day we'll get that in sync one day that was
1: close that was closer than we've gotten before
0: one day we yeah one day it will come together in one mighty synced up what's up witches probably at the supermoot when we're actually sitting in the same room
1: (laughs) that would help as opposed to being several hundred miles away from each other
0: yes yes well hi velma
1: Hi, Firelights!
0: <laughs> Welcome, witches, um, to the next episode of Inciting a Ruhaha. I say next because I actually forgot to look and see what number this is. It's like 11 or 17 or something.
1: It's not 17. I think it, it might be 11. Might be I 11. Don't
0: it's something. It's an episode. We're glad you're it's here. It's an
1: episode. It doesn't matter what number it is, it is an
0: episode. Exactly.
1: And I'm just going to go ahead and say happy birthday yesterday and get it out of the way so that you will not be obnoxious about it.
0: Well, thank you. I actually was not planning on mentioning it whatsoever, because that means I have to admit to being old now. But thank you. We're on episode 12. There we go. Ah, okay. Episode 12. closer
1: to 11 than 17.
0: There we go. If it had been The Price is Right, I would have lost. Yes. Yes. Luckily, um, there's no Drew Carey. Actually, I think you should just say luckily there's no Drew Carey pretty much in any situation. There should never be Drew Carey. So, um, (laughs) we have uh, gotten together as ordained by the gods to bring you our wisdom on uh, all matters of uh, magic and, um, you know, squirrels and such that we uh, decide to talk about because we haven't talked (laughs) really talked in like weeks.
1: (laughs) Well, we, we talk frequently. We talk, you know, probably, I don't know, at least four or five times a week. Yeah. but we don't talk about this kind of stuff anymore because we've discovered that if we talk about it, over the phone, and then we try to talk about it on the show. It's just—it's ruined. The moment has passed. We've already had the conversation, and it's no good anymore. So we don't. Talk which means about that any a lot of this stuff anymore.
0: Which means that a lot of our conversations these days end up being. So what's up, Velma? Not much. Yeah, me neither. And then just a lot of silence, sitting there while we each kind of go about <laughs> That's our daily not tasks. True. We
1: We talk about plenty of things, but see, now we've actually progressed to talking about you know personal things when we're actually having. A personal conversation and witchy things when we're having a public conversation.
0: Yay! (laughs) So um, we should probably go ahead and launch right in to uh, all of the witchy things. Um, We Mm -hmm. do actually. We made a list. We outlined. We we did. I'm holding it up. I'm holding it up to the camera as though they can see it. (laughs) Look, our list. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So uh, hopefully we won't ramble so much this time, which is we'll still ramble, which is typically my fault. Um, But uh, we we do keep track of of topics as they come to us from both you and um, the great ether that gives us show ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And uh, something that I did want to talk about um, with you is the value of a childlike faith. Mm -hmm. Because so often we... I, I think as pagans, I think just as people. I think if you really take any religion, it's the same thing. Um, but the value of a childlike faith, uh, that that term, um, at least to my understanding, comes from Christianity. Um, it's actually preached about uh, in the Bible, and I'm almost positive Jesus talked about it, but that we should have the faith of a child, um, basically just unquestioning and, and believing in the divine simply because you know, we just understand it to be true and real and we don't question. And, uh, you know, a lot of the time we spend time trying to kind of blow that out of the water. I know that's really a lot of what my whole show is about, is taking and making you ask the question of why. Why do we do this? Why do we believe in this? Why do we believe in that? And we don't ever really talk about the value of doing the exact opposite thing. And... There is value in that. Wouldn't you agree, Velma?
1: I do agree. Um, I think I don't know. To me, the idea of childlike faith I don't I guess I hadn't thought of it as being unquestioning. I always thought of it just as sort of maintaining that sense of awe and wonder about the universe and about the divine and about nature and and keeping that that sense of wonder alive in you.
0: It's like as I opposed
1: think- as opposed to just believing something because somebody said it and that's just the way that it is. Because I think when you start talking about blind faith, I think there's a difference between the blind faith and childlike faith. Well And I think I think the unquestioned because children ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So I I never got that whole childlike faith, just believe it because mom said so and that's the end of it. I never got that. I I would think of that as blind faith, unquestioning. You just believe it because it's in the Bible or the Koran or, you know, <laughs> insert religious text here um, or insert preacher's name or whatever. I don't know. I don't think of it as the same thing.
0: Well, I think, um, you know, when you when I say unquestioning, I mean, uh, you know, OK, let's go ahead and just immediately take the conversation into a witchy pagan context. It's kind of a, a fairly universal idea. Uh, amongst pagans, especially pagans that believe in supernatural things like ghosts and fairies and and nature spirits and things like that, that children typically can see those things or can experience Mm -hmm. those things. And they see those things and can interact with those things on an unquestioning level. They know it. The, uh, they know that those spirits are there. They know that those entities are there. They know that they can speak to them. They know that that you know there's that they're real. They believe fully that they're real, and they don't question it. That's what I mean when I say unquestioning. They don't say, "Oh, what is that? Cre-? Oh, let me go investigate. Oh, that's probably just nothing. Let me just you know let me challenge that and let me make sure that I I know whether or not it's real. They just accept it as real.
1: But if you're taking it from that context. Is a fairy a religious symbol?
0: No, I, I don't believe a fairy is a religious symbol. I'm saying a, because, you know a childlike and, well, and faith. The, but, the
1: reason, but the reason that I say that is because, I mean, the whole idea of faith has a religious connotation to it. It's you know I have faith in God or I have faith in the divine, not I have faith that fairies are real.
0: I think that- you
1: you either believe you either believe that fairies are real or you don't. I you think, either believe that ghosts exist or you don't.
0: <laughs> I think that uh, faith has a spiritual connotation. I don't know that it has a religious connotation, because a religious well, okay, connotation, so has, connotation has boundaries okay, but, and, and all of that. But I think, you know, okay, in a spiritual so, context, that a child like faith... But hmm? that's my question,
1: then. That's my question, then. Do fairies have a spiritual connotation?
0: I think so. I mean, I think that I think it all does. I think that it goes back to just not... Uh, not trying to challenge experience, I think, is is more the value of childlike faith, is that going into an experience for the experience itself, and uh, that's a challenge that I have in my, in my daily life, because, you know, as we all know, I can't stop questioning things. Um, I was watching the movie Agora, uh, which got a lot of press. Um, I know The Wild Hunt talked about it a lot. It was huge in Europe. It just kind of never panned out here. It has Rachel Weisz in it. Really great movie. You should all go watch it. You can get it on Netflix, I believe. Um but it's the story of uh a a roman philosopher a a, a female roman philosopher in Ale- uh, alexandria in egypt and um she looks at somebody during the movie and i- uh, Hypatia is her name and i apologize i don't remember all the characters' names offhand but um it, she looks at uh one of her uh, you know one of the other characters and she says you know you don't have to question, you know, you don't question what you believe in and I have to question everything. Or she says something to that effect. And I think that's that's kind of the dichotomy that I wanted to talk about is not questioning versus questioning. Because when, once you begin questioning, then a lot of things start falling down. And I think that... Um, mm?
1: See, I completely disagree. I think once you start questioning that... That may or may not lead you into what some people would probably term a crisis of faith. But to me, questioning things actually makes your faith stronger. And that's what if you Einstein can, said. If you can look at your beliefs and question them and actually look at them with a skeptical eye and go, OK, but what if nothing I believe is real and you can examine it? and you come out the other side and you still have those beliefs, you're going to hold to those beliefs a lot more strongly than if you just believe it because somebody said it, that that was the way it was. And you, that was the end of the story.
0: You know, Einstein. I
1: firmly believe that you need to question your beliefs.
0: I do too. Um, I, Einstein actually said that um, the more he examines the universe, the more he believes in God. I mean, the more he questioned everything and tried to break it down, the more he believe that there was a God and believe that there was kind of an irrefutable fact at one, at some point, mm-hmm. which is an, inter- an interesting thing. And that's something that, again, in my life, it, you know, I kind of, because I'm always questioning things and I'm always doing deeper research, um, you know, I, I, I'm constantly breaking things down and then, but, and then going back and realizing, but the more I break it down, the more I say, you know, there's just so many more questions. I mean, there's just so many more questions. And at some point I think you have to say, Either nothing exists or it all exists. I mean, that, you know, because it answers so many more questions than it leaves to believe in the divine, to believe in in the spirits and believe in, in all of it, and really.
1: But see, that actually leads to a very interesting question about the divine, because mm-hmm. as somebody who is Christian, okay, so you believe in God. Well, there's just one God. As a pagan, if I believe in... Zeus. Well, how do I feel about Pele? Is Pele real? What about Quan Yin? What about um, Ishtar? If one exists, do they all exist? How do I pick what to believe as far as the divine? Do I go with, well, the pantheon that I've selected is real, and they all really exist, but none of the other pantheons do? I mean, it that leads to a much bigger question, more than just, well, does God exist or does God not exist? Well, Probably because... We have very specific ways of personifying God that are not as universal to the larger faiths.
0: It's my understanding that a polytheist um, may focus on a particular pantheon, just you know, like what you were talking about, um, Hellenic Reconstructionists or Hellenic polytheists, um, right. typically acknowledge the existence of other deities. And even in Greek myth if you're going to follow Greek and Roman myth and be a Hellenic Reconstructionist, in the myth, those deities go over to other countries and interact with other deities, especially uh, Egyptian deities and other deities like that. So, um, you know, it, it is my understanding that a a hard polytheist believes that other god, you know, believes in, um, you know, all, all the gods are real. The gods are real. They're just choosing to follow this set of 12.
1: But then it leads to the the discussion of well how do you how do you pick which ones to believe you know to follow do do you pick them do they pick you how you know what if, what if you have an egyptian deity and a hindu deity and you know a, a roman and a greek and a norse and a celtic and a hawaiian and a native american what if you have deities from all these different pantheons that you choose to i mean it, it you see what i'm saying though it opens no, up I a completely... much bigger can of worms in the pagan community to try to decide okay well yes i believe in god because that means something very different to us well and that than goes does that goes to... more to the
0: question of being an eclectic versus kind of be more formalizing your structure of worship because an eclectic would say oh no i can worship pele whenever i'm trying to break down barriers Um, and I can worship, uh, Shiva when I am trying to do X and I can worship Athena when I want wisdom and, you know, just going to the gods that speak to you or the gods that you feel, um, just more of a connection to, um, you know, and and that's more of the difference between, I think, an eclectic view of worshiping the divine and a polytheistic pagan sense. Um, versus a, a more hard line, okay, well, I feel the Hindu deities are calling to me and I'm going to go practice Hinduism, or I feel the Egyptian well, deities call to me, et cetera, et cetera.
1: And I think that that's why I think it's so important to question your faith.
0: I agree that it's think, very important. I
1: think that's I think that's why I I put so much emphasis on understanding the well, yes, okay, I believe this, but why do I believe it? What what got me to that place?
0: And I agree. And you and I are the kind of people that do continue to question and do continue to examine. We question and examine in two very different ways, but mm-hmm. we we both continue to question. We both continue to seek. But what would you say, if you had to just sum up, what would the value of childlike faith be? I mean, if you could say, okay, if I could go back to being eight years old again, the best part about having that faith, that un flagging faith in the spirit and the divine in in everything. What's the best part of that?
1: I I don't know. Really? I don't know. I, I, honestly, I don't know. And part of the reason that I say that is because as a child I I don't I didn't have that kind of religious perspective on life. I would say that the the best thing the best quality of a child to emulate as an adult is being able to see past our own bullshit and experience the world and experience nature for what it is and actually appreciate the beauty and the, you know, the wonder of the world without the filters that we put on it as we get older and older of, you know, I mean, it would be like seeing a volcano erupt. As a child, you would think, wow, that is really cool. That's, mm-hmm. you know, there's stuff flying up in the air and, and you know, this is just amazing and everything just turned red and this is so cool. And as an adult, we're thinking, oh, my God, how many people just lost their houses or what is yeah. this going to do to the price of gas or, <laughs> you know, whatever the case may be. And I think the most important thing that we can take from a child's perspective is that sense of awe and I don't think that we need to completely discredit the filters that we have as adults but I think being able to drop that for a minute and experience something you know experience the wind blowing on a summer day or you know experience walking on the beach and you know feeling the waves on your feet I mean there are certain things that
0: so basically, we get, to,
1: we get to the point where we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't uh, I can't think of the word.
0: <laughs> being present in the moment and then we'll not worrying about the what moment. the future is going to have, not worrying about the past, just understanding that in this moment you are feeling X.
1: Well, and as pagans, we put so much emphasis on nature and the natural world and being able to experience that, that can let us see the divine. We can see, that is how we at least in my perspective, that is how we as pagans see God, is by watching things happen in the natural world and experiencing the natural world. And I think we get really jaded the older we get and the more you know life experiences we have. And if we can just get to the point where we can drop all of that and go back to what it felt like to be a kid walking barefoot in the grass, that's what God is to us.
0: I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, kind of like what I was saying when I interjected there, I apologize. It's okay. (laughs) But but, um, I think the value of childlike faith, at least for me, the one thing that I would like to emulate from a child is when I feel that I'm having a magical or, or spiritual experience, to not automatically have the questions turn on. Well, why am I doing this? Well, let me let me self-examine what bodily things are going on that might make me feel this way. What social things happened today that might put me in this mindset? What uh, psychological stresses and pulls and pushes am I going through right now? Um, you know what? What did I? What diet did I have that make me might have made me have that dream? You know what? What was going on that made this happen? Instead of just sitting down and saying, you know what, I wanted the sun to shine. I said a little rhyme again (laughs) and the sun shone and i will just accept that for what it is i will you know i will believe that i said a rhyme and made the sunshine and you know uh, that i will just accept that and i think that especially for you know the way that i continue to question the universe um and and spirituality in general is you know my kind of my my psychological type is the kind of person that gets away from childlike faith and then spends all of their adulthood trying to get back to that or trying to, you know, or is very jealous of that, you know, very jealous of the eight year old that, that just absolutely has no question about, you know, yes, fairies are real or, you know, yes, X is real. Um, but what happens when a child like that with that childlike faith, that unquestioning belief in everything and in all of the beauty and magic and all of that grows up and never questions and continues to just believe in everything. Um, A lot of people call that fluffy of, of just kind of, you know, believing in a little bit of everything, never really questioning, never doing further research. Um, You know, a lot of people call that fluffy. Now we've had a discussion before where, we kind of fleshed out what was fluffy and what was not fluffy. Some people say that being fluffy in is, our opinion. Yes. In our <laughs> opinion. Some people say that being fluffy, um, uh, I'm actually reading this book series by Madeline alt that you recommended to me like 19,000 times. And I finally read it. And now I love it. Um, yeah. you should all go read it. Madeline alt the bewitching mystery series. Uh, but Perfect. yeah, but the, the main character gets called fluff <laughs> by, um, one of the other characters, her name's Tara. And, uh, you know, she, she keeps, keeps getting called fluff. And in the books, um, you know, being a fluffy bunny is, is somebody that, uh, only focuses on the light and love aspects of, of the craft. And, you know, is is just only ever focused on putting good out in the world and completely ignores the negative. Um, so it's kind of a, a way of calling somebody a Pollyanna, um, without mm-hmm. calling somebody a Pollyanna. Uh, another way that people are called fluffy is, is kind of the version that you and I talked about. I think that, uh, you know, just. Again, kind of being an adult with with just the blinders on almost that, you know, there's further research out there, that there's a deeper meaning to certain things and, you know, going out and doing research and questioning. Um, and so kind of having that unquestioning childlike faith. So what happens then when you run into a fluffy bunny? You know, should you let... That- using, the,
1: using the definition of they have maintained their childlike faith and have no adult filters.
0: Uh, sure. Yes, we will call. We will say okay. that for the purposes of this, this discussion, that's what we will say. to okay. fluffy. We, we will go with our previously established definition. Um, but well,
1: that's not our previously established definition, though.
0: Okay, what was our previously established des- definition? Our
1: previously established definition of a fluffy was somebody who knew that their information was either inaccurate or incomplete. And made no attempt to correct it. It was it was someone who stays willfully ignorant uh. of the way that the actual practices are done, or the the way that the actual beliefs you know where they stemmed from, or that kind of thing. It was we we had defined it as willful ignorance, and this is very
0: different. Yes, well, I, but I but I think either of the three that you discuss, I think that it still leads into the same the same discussion we're going to try to have.
1: But I think my t- I I think how you how you deal with that mm-hmm. is very different. I mean, it's like it's like meeting somebody. It's like a base, okay, so let's say that you own a store, right? And you hire three employees. Okay, and the first one doesn't know how to do their job, but they really honestly don't know how to do the job. Mm-hmm. And the second one knows how to do the job, but chooses not to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the third one, what was our third example of, our third definition of fluffy? Uh,
0: somebody that only focuses on the good?
1: Yes. And and the other person, they only want to arrange the store. They they never want to sweep. Okay. Okay. As, a, as the owner of the store, you would probably deal with those three employees very differently because they yes. have very different problems. For the sake of this discussion, we'll say problems. We're not going to get into that, but... But the person who, honest to God, doesn't know any better, you may try to, you know, educate in a kind way. You know, this is how you do the job. The Mm -hmm. one who knows how to do the job and just choosing not to, you're probably going to be a little bit more direct and a little bit more harsh with. Okay. Right? And the third one, you're going to try to get them to shift their focus and realize that, well, you know, the, the shelves look fantastic. But there's three inches of dust on the floor and we really need to do something about that because, you know, the customers aren't coming into the store. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Each one has its own approach in terms of education. Now, that's assuming that what you're trying to do is educate.
0: Well, and again, you you can deal with and I I say deal with and that's really a bad way of talking about, you know, interacting with someone else. So interacting with somebody that you have deemed fluffy there is yes. there are a couple of ways that you can go about it you can um you know you can try and educate them you can a- attempt to you know politely instruct them in in the three different ways that you were talking about you can um you know attempt to show them a more balanced view if their view is kind of the pollyanna view you can mm-hmm. attempt to politely educate them if they are just honestly ignorant or if they know better but remain willfully ignorant you can say okay listen look here you know better um, you know you you actually do know this stuff you're just choosing right. not to act on it you're choosing not to say okay well i know that x is there but i'm not going to find out more about what x is and i'm just going to pretend like x doesn't exist um you know and and, and
1: part of it too honestly is going to depend on okay well you know you say interacting with fluffies well what relationship do I have to this person? Because if this is somebody who I'm friends with, I'm probably going to make more of an attempt, and my approach is maybe going to be different, versus, you know, somebody that I happen to bump into at a metaphysical store, who I overhear, you know, saying that Raymond Buckland was the incarnation of Cleopatra, and he has eight toes, and he is, you know, god of all things.
0: That was me at the Uh, store, actually. I I said that. That was me.
1: Yeah. I I know it was you. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Because I'm not going to get into an argument with some random person at a metaphysical store about, you know, who Raymond Buckland is. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. I'm I'm not going to invest my energy into trying to correct that person.
0: At what point do you just say, I will let this person remain in their state of fluff?
1: I am much more willing to do that when, well, if they, honest to God, don't know better, I may try to let them know better. Mm -hmm. But there are some people who don't want to know. They don't know. They don't want to know. They're perfectly happy the way they are. And you know what? To a certain degree, if you're happy and you're not going to be disrupting my life by whatever you're happy doing, fine. So basically, if somebody's
0: not in your inner circle and it's not... You know, you're, you don't. Well, feel like it's one of
1: those things where it's like, you know, I mean, it, it's like the Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, if you want, you want to believe that, that's fine. Now, when you come to my door, mm-hmm. that's different. But you know, I'm not going to go. You know, if I see you in a grocery store, I'm not going to try to get into some big theosophical debate with you, or you know, whatever. It, no, mm-mm. you you can do whatever you want to do. Uh,
0: I agree. Um, I just, I am coming to a point in my life where I realize that I question a lot more in depth and uh, about a lot more things. I kind of just question everything. And I ask, why is this done this way? But why is that done that way? And then, you know, why is the process of the doing the thing, the way that that process is? And, you know, I I question every little aspect of every little thing. And then I don't necessarily seek pagan uh substantiation for the claim for for uh the reasoning. I go out and I try and find other people that do that thing that way and if they don't do it that way, what their reason is and et cetera et cetera um but I'm quickly realizing that I am in a very tiny minority of people that question the way that I question very. Very, very tiny. Very tiny minority. I I tend not to um, find too many other people that way. And at first it frustrated me. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not over it. It, it still frustrates me sometimes whenever I'm like, but, but you realize it's not this way. I mean, you realize this is not – but most people don't realize that. And most people, honest to goodness, don't care if, you know, uh, just – for just the example if you rub a lucky buddha statue most people don't give a flipping care if it's not actually representation of buddha of Gautama buddha no nobody nobody cares nobody really nope. cares that it nobody nope. cares um doesn't matter. It, right, to most people. But then you get somebody like me, and it just drives you crazy that it's called Lucky but or the Lucky Bamboo. It, <laughs> it's not actually bamboo. It's a, it's a different kind of plant. Or, you know, it just a, a whole lot of things. A whole lot of things that nobody ever thinks to ask or question.
1: But see, I think the difference is, yes, questioning is very important. And I think trying to get a better understanding of what you think and what you believe is very important. But when it comes to trying to understand why other people do things and why other people believe things, my perspective is why do you care? Well, why does it matter? Why does it aggravate you so much that somebody else chooses to believe something that you know for a fact or through your research as a very strong you know, implication that it's not true. Why does it matter to you?
0: You'll actually get this both with people that study sociology and psychology. And I have a degree in social sciences and that is the kind of thing exactly that we study. Why people interact with others in the way that they do, why people act the way that they do in general. But we look at it from a social standpoint, from um, the pushes and pulls of society rather than what's going on inside their own head. So, you know, when I look at something like that, I'm looking at it for, okay but where are you getting this why are you doing this what is what is all of that and the problem is i'm rapidly realizing that trying to mix a sociologist's viewpoint of looking at pagan society and pagan practice and all of that it it, it it's like beating your head up against a very fluffy wall
1: <laughs> well not and but it's not just it's not just the pagan community i have never understood why It is so important to Jehovah's Witnesses that I believe what they do and that I, you know, fall in line with exactly what they how they want me to fall in line, that they will come to my house and try to convince me that they are right. Why is it so important to them for me to believe that I do not understand the motivation there?
0: It's. It's actually a reverse motivation. Um, they are told to proselytize in their religion. I understand that, right? I it's... understand
1: that, but but it's not just them. I mean, you know, if it, pick pick your your um, pick your branch of Christianity and walk in and say I'm pagan, all of a sudden mm. you are very important because they want to make damn sure that you stop that. And I don't understand why it's so important. I don't understand why it matters.
0: Well, if my ego ever um, begins to fall, I think I will just go do that exact thing (laughs) so that I can feel better, feel more important.
1: No, I'm just saying, I mean, there are an awful lot of people in the world that really want to be all up in your business. And I don't get it. I don't understand why is it so important. And For you, I understand that you want to get a better understanding of why people think things. But I don't understand why it frustrates you so much. Because it doesn't matter, uh, uh, you know, at its core, it doesn't matter in your life whether people call it a lucky Buddha. But it drives you absolutely up the fucking wall. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Which
1: I have to admit I think is funny. (laughs)
0: The thing that frustrates me is that most people, um, or at least most pagans that I have met don't question beyond what they can find in in new age books or or in the pagan uh, sphere of knowledge they don't go outside that sphere of knowledge and it drives me up the wall that we have allowed this laxadaisical approach to the divine and you know again it kind of goes against that whole thing that you know i was saying well i'd really love to get back to a childlike faith but unfortunately i question everything and i'm not going to stop questioning everything and i realize that most people aren't ever going to be as extreme in their questioning of the divine as i am and there are a whole lot of people that question a whole lot more in depth than i do and know a whole lot more than i do i i don't even deign to pretend that i know everything but um or, or that i know a lot but um uh it 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 drives me up the wall that you know you can pick up i don't know uh, you know uh what was that lipidolite? it mm-hmm. drives me up the wall that people will pick up lipidolite and say okay um you know the book says that it helps with sleep and then they never understand like when you just ask questions or when you do the research like you informed me of that lapidolite actually has a mineral in it that causes people to sleep and that ancient peoples probably were around that, that were around that stone got the effects of that mineral in their system, went to sleep. And all they knew was that this stone helped you to sleep better or helped you to calm down, helped you to not be so anxious. And if you just, if you just Google, I mean, you know, we live in 2011, you can Google things. Now it's not the best form of research, but it, it, it's .024 seconds, typically, <laughs> to, to gain a little bit more insight into stuff. And I just wish that we would become Google, Googling pagans, at least, and at least just ask the question to Google and try and get a, just, just a hair more knowledge about it. Because it, it may change your perspective. It may not. But it drives me up the wall that we simply seem to, as a whole, not care about learning more.
1: Okay, but what you have to understand is that there are a lot of people for whom buying Melody's book on rocks and reading it and absorbing it that that's that all they research. that's all they care to know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and there is always more to know. I understand, always.
0: and it's not necessarily I mean, it just, about just
1: to take just to take your example of lapidolite. Okay, so you get every book that's ever been published about rocks that references lipidolite right and you read all of that and you do a web search and you do you read everything that's ever been put on the internet about the stone and you know the chemical composition and you know when it was formed and you know exactly what's in it and you know what makes it darker purple and what the little silver flecks are in it and you know absolutely everything about this stone. how long is that gonna take you I understand. and how many other stones are there And how many colors and how many elements and how many deities and how I mean, you will never know all there is to know about anything, even if you spent the entire rest of your life just studying one rock, you're never going to know everything. So I think the problem that you have is that people don't do more research. It's not that they don't do research. It's not that they don't read, you know, 10 different books. It's that they haven't found the ultimate resource And Because, I I mean, where does it stop?
0: Well, I think the line is different for every person. Um, You know, and it's something that I've talked about before of developing your own filter, of uh, going out and doing research to the amount of time that you have, the amount of interest that you have in doing that level of research, in in, in developing your own filter. Um, I, I wish for the greater pagan community that that meant doing research, be, you know, in, in, uh, in secular knowledge bases. I mean, you know, but I realize that not everybody's going to do that. Um, you know, I think that in this instance, I, you know, Wikipedia is a terrible, uh, method of academic knowledge. However, I think Wikipedia could be your friend in this point. I mean, if it's something that interests you, at least, uh, Wikipedia it, at least Google it and, and see what other people have to say about a given topic, um other than just the pagan uh, information because you know and i think that one of the things that you and i have talked about before um is the problem with a lot of uh pagan books that are on bookshelves these days is they all seem to quote each other <laughs> and the same yes. imo- the same knowledge continues to get bandied back and forth and so that's yes. why that's just that's why i always recommend that's why i wish that people would at least if they're interested in something yes pull out melodies i I got melodies finally on your recommendation. Love it. think it's a great book. It goes into a lot more depth it's fantastic. Than, than a lot of other books. I just wish that they would also Google. And again, stones, it, it's a whole different, I think stones and herbs are a totally different discussion um, because they are so unbelievably subjective. Mm-hmm. But um, I think a lot of other things, you know, practices that uh, modern pagans take from other religions. Um, you know, symbols that people take from other belief systems. I, I wish that people would at least just look at that and then, you know, you can take it for what it is, you know, and that, that that was the point that we didn't know if it was going to be its whole, uh, its own topic or not, but you can take it for what it is, use Mm -hmm. it for what works for you and then keep it in mind of where it actually originated from. You know, you, you may um, you know, the lucky buddha statue just just to go with the same uh, example. The lucky buddha statue is not actually a statue of Buddha. It's a statue of a a folkloric deity, folkloric hero in Chinese culture called Budai. Westerners thought it sounded so much similar to the uh, the term uh, to the word Buddha, so they just kind of incorporated it and said, "Oh no, this is Bu-, you know, this is Buddha. You rub the belly for prosperity." Well, right. you can know that. And you can still call it the lucky Buddha because that's what everybody does. I mean, right. it's a colloquial idea, you know, and we, 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 <laughs> we like the term, you know, colloquial idea. It's a, it's colloquial knowledge. It's, this is the lucky Buddha. It's not Gotama Buddha. I mean, you know, I'm not rubbing this because I want to be Buddhist, but I can take this knowledge and still use it for what everybody else uses it for. It's just, right. I just feel that it would be good if we just did a little bit more research outside of the pagan community. Because, again, you get you get that same kind of wrong information or maybe not wrong information, but you get the same information bandied about and, you know, look outside, see if it's right. See if it's real. I would agree. Okay. Um, let's see. Next on the list.
1: Yes, (laughs) we have a list.
0: We do have a list.
1: We don't usually have a list. This time we have a list. We have a
0: list. Um, Fictional deities. Yes. I'll let you run with this one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, that's bad cuz I don't know how I feel about this. This is basically the idea of um for example,
0: in case you all um, haven't noticed, we are actually doing a large show of tiny topics.
1: A little little stuff, yeah. Little stuff. Yeah. Um this would be like um worshipping Cthulhu.
0: Ooh, so you're saying Cthulhu is not real? <gasps> what? Huh? What? Oh,
1: <laughs> or deciding that um Gandalf the gray is your teacher on the astral plane mm. or you know taking these fictional characters that are fiction people they're not real they're fiction and basically raising them up to deity status
0: oh if we didn't get hate mail before we're going to get so much hate mail <laughs>
1: But see, this is one of those things that I have a really hard time with because I'm one of those people that thinks that, well, yeah, maybe it is all true on an astral level. I mean, it's been created, right? It has all these people putting energy into it and and believing it and reading the story and, you know, and I mean, the energy, you know, I mean, what happens to it? Where does it go? Maybe it does actually create something on an astral level that, you know, you could tap into. I don't know.
0: Well, I, I, yeah, Um, fictional deities, and this is something, oh man, I I did an article (laughs) before I ever had a podcast called The Pagan Secret, and it is one of the most read articles on Witchbox. It's one of my most read articles ever. Uh, It's the one that I got more hate mail on than anything else. And basically, one of the, the major points of that article was, and I've since, you know, I've since grown up a lot since the writing of that article. But one of the main points is that, you know, Pikachu isn't real. Harry Potter isn't real. Gandalf isn't real. These are all fictional characters. These are all fictional ideas that were made up by an author or made up by a cartoonist or made up by a somebody. Um, You know, Cthulhu is a made up fictional deity. You know, there's actually a a religion, and I forget the name of it, um,
1: but I think I've, it's the Cult of Cthulhu.
0: No, no. Um, I was going to talk about uh, the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, there's Oh, oh. There's actually a religion now um, based on uh, the works of Tolkien. And the tenets of that... And I, I discovered it, of course, because of Llewellyn. Um, <laughs> they, they published books on that. And uh, I remember one day, you know, they had the Spell-A-Day section. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them was how to honor this deity, and I'd never heard of this deity before, so I was trying to Google it. And it's a deity from this religion that worships the deities in the books of the Lord of the Rings. And... Well,
1: I mean, there there are people who claim Jedi yes. as their as their religion, which started I mean, off
0: that's... which started off as a joke in Europe, I believe, on Facebook, and has since spread and has now actually become a thing. Um, yes. You know, there's the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, which oh my yes, God, the pastafarians. the pastafarians. Yes. Yes. May his noodly appendage touch you. Um, <laughs> yes. May you be graced by his noodly appendage. Uh, but um, but again, these are all made up things that everybody recognize, universally recognizes as made up. But then some group or some person or somebody decided that. They liked it enough. They believed it enough. Um, I re- but I, just to go back to the example of the religion of the, uh, based on the works of Tolkien, um, it is uh, the beliefs that I saw on the, one of the main websites. Um, they said, we recognize that these are works of fiction. However, we believe that the author was being influenced, was uh, you know bringing up things that actually happened a long, long, long time ago. And they believe that okay. it is as fact. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of people that over time, you know, a lot of these deities like Cthulhu, uh, you know, they... they Because people talked about them in a sense that made it seem like they were real, people started believing they were. And, you know, the old ones, the old gods and all of that. and. Uh,
1: but I guess my my question about that, though, would be... How do we know that Greek mythology didn't start the same way or that Egyptian mythology didn't start the same way or Celtic or the various Asian mythologies? I mean, what we're talking about is mythology. The difference is we're further removed from the writing of these tales, Right, we think of mythology as Greek and Roman and Celtic and Norse. Okay, well that was many thousands of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this whole new mythology. Just to use Harry Potter as an example, because I'm more familiar with it than any of the other ones, and I know you're rolling your eyes. It's okay, but here we have this new mythology, right? It's a collection of tales. It's this hero's journey through you know all these trials and tribulations. It is a new mythology. It is a mythology, yes, but it's a new mythology, and I think that's why we have the disconnect, because the other ones, you know, the Greco-Roman mythology has been around for so long that it's sort of, okay, well, these are the gods, and these are the stories about the gods. Okay, well, this is Harry Potter, and these are stories about Harry Potter. What's the difference?
0: Well, that's when, you know, doing a little bit of research into a matter and then doing a whole heck of a lot of research in the matter comes up with 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 two different scenarios if you do a little research then you can know a lot about greek mythology you can know a lot about the fact that it has similarities with roman mythology and that it has a lot of similarities with uh mythologies of the time and you can also know things like the reason that there are some you know that that zeus what you know if you do a little bit more research than that then you start to know that the reason that zeus um you know supposedly had sex with so many women was because those female deities or those deities in general, whether they were male or female, because he, he did both um, were actually local deities of a given region. And those were the deities that were honored. And when Mm -hmm. the greater belief system of the Olympian gods took over, while Zeus was the chief God of, of that set of 12, whenever that came through, The story went that Zeus had overtaken, overpowered that deity with, you know, his might, and it turned into a sexual connotation. But then you do even more research Mm -hmm. than that, and you start seeing that all of these deities that have been worshipped are actually incarnations of older deities. And we can know these things. We can know how um, uh, certain deities come through, uh, you know... People travel, people, uh, you know, hear stories and things from distant lands, and they begin to incorporate those stories into their own. And the names change and the themes change. You know, uh, uh, Aphrodite at one point was actually a war goddess, Um, and then she became a goddess of passion and lust and love, and then she turned into the fluffy little blonde-haired thing you see on Hercules and Xena um which most people these <laughs> days think of as Aphrodite is that you know just kind of fluffy beautiful love goddess that makes everybody do one another and um you know you can see that they all go back and this begins to get into speculation but it's 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 uh it it's educated speculation that it all began as nature worship you know the god of the sky eventually was turned into gods and goddesses of the sky that eventually became zeus that eventually became etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. um you know ev- you know originally they might have just called it the lightning or you know and worship the lightning and say you know oh we honor you lightning please don't burn down our hut you know that kind of thing <laughs> um, and that could have turned into worship which turned into the deities which turned into etc cetera, etc cetera. Um right, you know, so again, you can draw an empirical line between modern made up fiction and the deities of old,
1: yes, but if you look at mythology, specifically what is generally referred to as the hero's tale um that has been prevalent in mythology, no yes hero not n- not, not tail like mouse tail, but tail like you know story um. I mean, if you go back to, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey, that is a very classic hero tale, right? So, one could argue that Harry Potter is a modern interpretation of the classic hero ta- hero's tale. You I mean, he has, he has enemies he needs to overcome. He has things that he needs to learn. He has these, you know, people that he encounters... I mean, let's not forget, in the mythology, in the mythos, the gods were, were yes, they were gods, but they were also physical, right? You could actually, like, you know, go up to Mount Olympus and see the gods, right? They would all be sitting around, you know, I mean, they were physical beings. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, it, it. It there are a lot of correlations there. The same could be said with... Star Wars, Star Wars again, the original trilogy. I'm not going to get into the first 3 because that's just a completely different can of worms, but the original <laughs> 3, it was the hero's tale, right? It was all about Luke Skywalker. It was this mythology about his journey from discovering, you know, who he actually is and conquering evil and coming out on the other side of it. And I mean, all of these stories that we're talking about, you know, the the Tolkien books as well, Frodo is the quintessential hero, and I guess I just don't see why you couldn't transpose the idea of divinity into that mythos, you know, if you want to take, you know, Gandalf and say that he equates to, you know, Greek god X, and... You know, Frodo is representative of Greek god Y, and I mean, I I don't well, know I believe enough if, about them. if I'm
0: not mistaken, Gandalf was actually kind of based around uh, tales of Odin from Norse mythology. You know, the the wandering gray man. Um, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. It, it could make a a uh, uh, you know you can make the case, and um, you know my my little idea of dotheism you can you can make the case that it's just a a modern. Uh, remaking of the dough. I mean, you can, mm-hmm. but I think it just goes back to that same argument of acknowledging that, but acknowledging its history as well and saying, okay, I am worshiping. It's like the folks that, um, that believe in Santa Claus, but you can say, okay, well, Santa Claus is real to me because I believe that Santa Claus is a spirit of joy and of winter and of all of that, that goes back to Odin and goes back to, you know, Norse and, and Greco-European Roman de- uh, deity X and, you know, recognizing that it's a modern tr- interpretation of nature spirit, of, of the divine in general. And I think in that instance, I don't have a problem with it. What I think that I have a problem with is saying, is, is, disconnect, is having a disconnect from the history of it, from the history of, you know, where that evolution might have happened and just saying, oh, no, Harry Potter is a deity in and of himself.
1: I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you. Well, because using I, I your own honestly... example,
0: the hero's tale. You know, recognizing it as just a modern evolution of the hero's tale yes. is the same thing. Yeah. But taking it and saying, "Ooh, I really like these books. I'm going to start worshiping the people in these books."
1: Well, yes, that I I will agree with that definitely. Right. But I don't. I don't know that you necessarily have to you know break out you know okay well you know who does professor snape equate to you know is he is he hades or is he i mean who who is he who is lord voldemort if you want to you know switch out the names of all the characters with i think you know, snape Greco would be Roman deities.
0: <laughs> i think
1: but you see what i'm saying i don't no, think I do. you have to necessarily and I think, I think define that without... it
0: I think that with a book that does not specifically deal with deity like Harry Potter, it's a little bit easier to laugh at it. And it's a little bit easier to kind of say, well, you know, it it is a little silly. But go back to the example of Cthulhu. It is a fictional character. It is a fictional character. It's a fictional deity from a book of fiction, from several books of fiction, um, you know, written in the early 1900s. And Which
1: I know basically nothing about, so I'm going to be very That's also where the Necronomicon came from.
0: That's also where the Necronomicon came from. The Necronomicon is not a real book of magic made by the Mad Arab. The Mad Arab, That whole thing was made up by that author. Um, but I, I think it's a little bit easier to maybe say, okay, I can identify with Cthulhu as a chaos god, one of those primordial gods that look a lot like, you know... Uh, ancient Sumerian deities that kind of looked a lot like monsters, and has god of chaos, and all of that. And it maybe if you incorporate the history into it and the evolution of it, and you know why you have some sort of you know understanding as to why you might want to incorporate that. Again, I think that it's all blue play doh. I mean, I think it's all just molding blue play and and calling it whatever you want because it's still putting God in mm-hmm. a box. I mean, it's still putting God in a box, or in this case, it's putting God into a winged octopus. Um,
1: <laughs> Where else should God be? I mean, really, if you were God, wouldn't you pick a winged octopus? Well, that would be high on my
0: list. I, well, yeah, probably. <laughs> Another noodly appendage. <laughs> oh, no, I would be a flying spaghetti monster. I've got to say, I would be a flying spaghetti monster. I,
1: I You know, somehow I can see you as a flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> That's not that hard to visualize.
0: Flying penne pasta. Um But, uh, no, you know, I I, I have a problem with it in the sense, uh, you know, there's the the, the two arguments for me. I have a problem with the sense that it is fiction. We know for a fact it's fiction. It did not come from, you know, a tale that was brought over from X and all of that. But then you have to ask the question, well, what what made that tale that came over from land X to land Y, what made that so much more legitimate? And then exactly. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make it any more or less legitimate. As long as you recognize that it's just kind of another incarnation of deity, just another box that you put God in.
1: Well, and it's just one of those things that has been culturally accepted as fact. I mean, if you want to take,
0: but it is you fiction,
1: know, the, if you want to take, <laughs> but if you want to take, for example, the Christian mythology, mm-hmm. You know, it has been widely accepted by a large portion of society as fact. Right. But that doesn't actually mean that it is fact. That means that you accept it as a fact, but that doesn't mean that it actually is a fact.
0: You know, in Genesis, the flood mythos, the ancient Greeks had a flood mythos. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they had a man and woman that survived it. And they were told, throw the bones of your mother over your shoulder. And so they took rocks of Mother Earth and threw them over their shoulder and repopulated. You know, same story. Oh, look, there's Noah. Hey, Noah. What's up? What are you doing? And the flood
1: itself, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the flood itself has actually been proven to be a historical fact. There was a great flood.
0: Oh, yeah, and that would make sense after a thaw. During that time period. If we had an ice age, it had to thaw, right? But, um,. (laughs) You know, uh, uh, and I don't know that those two things correspond, but yes. I um, don't know that they do, but. I don't think they do. But uh, but it, no, it, it is generally accepted by an academic community that a, a flood of some kind happened. I mean, you know, yes. the, there are things that have happened that many, many cultures talked about and put it into their mythos that, uh, mm. you know, looking back, scientists think, okay, I think that actually did happen. You know, there there are some legs to stand on here. Um, you know, again, we don't know because we weren't there thousands of years ago when stuff like that may or may not have happened. But a lot of no, those but, things well, are you... generally accepted. And when, you know, dozens of cultures have a myth about a great flood, there's probably a reason for that.
1: Well, and when you think about it, I mean, think about the technology of the time. How how did you pass on information? How did you teach lessons? How did you... Twitter. Um, yeah, somehow I don't think the ancient Greeks had Twitter, but I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But no, that's how you passed on information from generation to generation, was through mythology, through these stories, through the legends and tales. I mean, that's where it came from, right?
0: Yes. Yes, that's true. I'm just thinking but, of the ancient Greeks had Twitter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but somebody made it up. Somebody somebody started.
0: Hashtag Athens. Pwned, Poseidon. <laughs> Athena kicked <kept> Poseidon's ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, well, What if the ancient Greek gods had Twitter? That would have been crazy. I just want to see what the funny. trend. I want to see what the trending topics would have been. Okay. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> but no. My point is, somebody made up the stories.
0: Yes, yeah, somebody made so up. They, the stories. they came
1: from somewhere, and it, it, I don't. It all started I don't think from
0: that... worship, but then we decided to give it. Characteristics. We decided to give the them the celestial drama. You know, they, we decided to make the gods have you know emotions like rage and jealousy and and you know give them form right. and all of that. Yeah, it's it, it is right. all made up. And when you look at it in the context of well, it's all kind of made up anyways. So what mm-hmm. difference does it make what I call it? Then again, it's completely palpable. Yeah, I just think it's you know it is a little silly whenever you have your altar set up to Hermione Granger.
1: Hey, you know, but I, I you as, know, long if as, you're... as long as you have your altar set up to the spirit of Hermione Granger and not to Emily Watson, because that's creepy. Emma? Whatever her name is. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you want to have an altar to the spirit of Hermione Granger, that's fine.
0: I, I would but like yeah, you... Emma, Emma please Watson please send with those that, pictures that, into inciting a brouhaha at gmail.com all of your altars to hermione granger please
1: i think i think we just made an, an argument why being jedi is completely valid uh, well and i'm not I, sure that's what we meant to do
0: <laughs> no but but again you know I, I i think scarlet of like making voice actually talked about jediism on her show at one point um, and you know, there's tenets of Jediism. It's it's uh, they're saying they're saying okay, we recognize that we're calling it Jedi and that that's from Star Wars, but we we actually mean it's kind of a marrying of like Taoist and Buddhist philosophy and blah 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 blah. And they're just giving it the name Jedi because it was convenient. And you know I can get that. Well, behind that is that. very
1: much what that that is very much what the whole idea of being a Jedi was. Right, but I those mean, if people if you look at the story. But if you
0: look more into it, those people are not delusional enough to think that they all have uh, m- uh, midi in their system, and that you know they're they're whispering to bacteria, and and bacteria is giving them magic powers. Um, you know, so. Y- Again, yes. just a little digging, a little digging.
1: Just just temper your insanity with a touch of sanity. That's that's all I would ask.
0: Just temper your insanity. You can with be a,
1: as crazy as you want. Just be a little bit sane about it. Temper,
0: temper your insanity with a touch of Google. <laughs> you're Googling, yes, exactly. Your Googling appendage. Um, just, <laughs> something that I think gets a little too insane at some point, tables of correspondences.
1: I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. I find them fascinating.
0: What do you find so fascinating about a table of correspondence?
1: I just think it's very interesting, you know, and it's funny because I was listening to one of the episodes of um, um, Borealis Meditation.
0: I love her today. show. I love her. Show. I love her too. I love her show.
1: But she was talking about Earth, the element of Earth. And she gave this. Huge list of correspondences, right? Mm -hmm. Huge, bigger than anything I have ever heard in my entire life. It
0: was crazy. It included
1: things. Well, it included things like the style of music that corresponds to Earth is. I mean, it was just. It was fascinating to me. I I know, and I was like,
0: "Where did you get a correspondence for the kind of music? What?
1: But you know what what? But you know what's interesting is as soon as I as soon as I heard her say that. I immediately thought that's really interesting. What if I was going to pick a style of music to correspond with each of the four elements, what would it be? And it it was just it was very interesting to me because I'd never thought about that before. And I think part of what's so interesting is that especially with things like, you know, the type of music or the colors or the season of the year or, you know, some of these things, not like the rocks and the herbs because those as you said earlier are very personal but these other things they do kind of i mean when it's summer you know i tend to think more about fire yeah i mean it 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 does make sense mm-hmm. to me and when it's you know when it's winter i tend to think more about earth now whether mm-hmm. or not those are necessarily the seasons that she said corresponded i don't remember but but it, it makes sense to me mm-hmm. and when you listen to classical music for me i tend to think more air i, I tend to to well, and wind that instruments with i mean air. you know that yeah
0: that, that really well and
1: this and this whole idea that listening to mozart while you're studying actually improves your intellectual ability i mean it's got that air, air you know air is usually thought of as being intellectual i i can see where that correlation comes from mm-hmm. so i don't know to me it just it opens up the doors to a very wide variety of things that you could incorporate into your magic if you want to, or into ritual to help you draw on that fundamental energy of whichever element it is you're trying to draw on.
0: But doesn't it also open it up to a wide array of BS? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yes, I suppose it could. I mean, goodness. it's okay, There's a, there's a saying, um, analysis paralysis that uh you know and uh, my boss is fond of saying uh, at the store that I work at and uh, uh, you know when you're in management you you know every day there's just a mountain of reports that you get and you have to say okay well this is what the dollars per transaction were broken down to and this is what the units per transaction and this is what the sales per hour and this is blah 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 and you're supposed to take that and coach to that and tell your associate you know tell your employees okay well now you have to do like this now you have to sell like this and I have to do like this and you know it, At some point, you know, you can get down to like every single day and and how the numbers changed by the penny every single day. And, you know, you can analyze and analyze and analyze. And then at some point, you're just kind of paralyzed by the amount of analysis that you've done. I mean, because at some point, it's kind of a little meaningless or redundant or all of the above.
1: Well, before we get too much into this conversation, we did get an email, and actually, we, we, you and I had talked, and we had actually already decided that we wanted to talk about this, and then we got this email like two days later, which was fantastic timing. Kismet. Um, yes, it was. It was serendipitous. Oh. Um, <laughs> but we got. There's an your email. seven dollar
0: word for the day.
1: I love that word. That's one of my favorites. Um, we got an email from Pagan flavored atheist who leaves awesome comments, by the way, and wow. sends awesome emails. So thank you so much. Um, but the the email says, as I was listening to the latest Witches Brew Ha episode, which was the, the Mega Herb episode, mm-hmm. it occurred to me that sometimes it's so hard to take correspondences seriously when they con- when they conflict or seem to be arbitrary. A lot of books don't say this corresponds to that because, and so we have to take on faith the fact that the author knows what he or she is talking about but since so many pagans like to bash the judeo-christian books of faith for being contradictory how can the same pagan be willing to overlook the same in their own faith um and actually i uh, wanted to talk to say, about this after
0: after listening to the same show of yours uh, cuz that was you know all of these correspondences and i was like oh we've got to talk about this
1: yes and i think that was actually when you when you first brought it up um Okay. Um, It also also says, I personally feel fine with people having their own correspondences for everything, because in my opinion, not all things work the same for all people. So why should energy be different? Sure, mints are cooling, and we can all agree to that, but what about cedar or basil or... Name something that doesn't have an obvious relationship With a particular element Because of either climate, color, flavor, etc So I'd like to know what are your opinions On these three related topics I suspect a lot of newbies stumble on this Because it's not a stable topic On which to get good footing Especially when you disagree with the available literature Or your coven Which is a phenomenal email It's it, it's a really good question Yes Um. Yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great question. Good job. I don't know.
1: I think, I think to a large degree, correspondences are very personal,
0: uh-huh. and
1: I think especially with things like you know, uh, even even things as as universally accepted as colors, mm-hmm. I think that color correspondences also need to be sort of taken out of the common literature and actually get put into more of a personal perspective. <clears throat> There's a book that I. Um, I've talked about before and actually my my circle or my coven is going to be going through it again. We've actually already read it once, so we're going to read through it again. Um and it is Energy Essentials Energy Essentials for Witches and Spellcasters by Maya Ohm. It's a fantastic book. Um but one of the things one of the exercises in that book is a list of emotions. And the idea is to think about the emotion and try to come up with what color corresponds with it to you. And I will tell you after being a practicing pagan for 15 years or so more than that, 17 years. Um, no, I can't count. It's my brain's not working today. Um, something 15 ish years. (laughs) Um, it's really hard for me to think of love and not see red because it's been so ingrained in my head that love is red and, healing is green and money is green or sometimes gold. Um, And sometimes healing is blue. Um, But I would never think of yellow as a color for healing, but maybe somebody else you think healing and you think of the color yellow. So just because the book doesn't tell you, Oh yes, well, yellow is used for healing. That doesn't mean that you can't do that. But I think it takes a lot of sort of personal analysis to figure out what your own correspondences are. And sometimes yellow may mean one thing, and sometimes it means something totally different. I mean, it could be that, you know, in the past, you've always used yellow for success. And then all of a sudden, you have a friend who, you know, needs to get away from her abusive husband, and for some reason, you really feel that what you need to do is you need to burn a yellow candle. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Fine. Go right ahead. Burn a yellow candle. You know?
0: I think that... I know you're dying. No. no what what always strikes me as um, amusing is... And we, I think we've all done this. We've all done this. And, you know, probably a lot of us still do this no matter how many years you've been on the path. You want to write a spell for something you've never really written a spell for before. So you run immediately to mm-hmm. all of your 101 books, because those have all of the best tables of correspondences... And you go to the index, and you look up, and you start cross, cross-referencing cross gossip. And you get seven different herbs for gossip. And you go and you run out to your local uh, metaphysical store, and you get all seven herbs. And you stick those in a cauldron, and you brew them, or you burn them, or you do whatever you're going to do with them, and then poof. You, you, And it's it's like, well, okay, but were all of those herbs for gossip or, you know, you know, what was your real intent? Was it, you wanted to people to stop talking to you, uh, talking, uh, you know, stuff about you behind your back. Um, because you know, Hey, maybe some of those herbs are under the gossip, uh, category because they are typically, um, used to make people tell the truth to your face. And who knows, you may have just made a, a spell that, uh, whose ingredients, um, you know, made people now talk stuff about you specifically to your face and tell the honest truth to you about how they feel about you to your face.
1: By the way, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs only has two listed under gossip, and it does specify it's to halt gossip. So I just wanted to to share that.
0: Right, but if if you look up every single, because Cunningham also doesn't have a correspondence for oregano, but Silver Ravenwolf does. Um,
1: he does. There's, and I can't remember what it is right now. But oregano actually has another name, mm. and and it is in there under the other name. But I can't remember what the other name is right now.
0: You have just one upped me in your knowledge of <laughs> of everything.
1: I wasn't trying to one up you, but no, it took me forever to find that out. And now, of course, I can't remember what it actually is. Um, is it coriander? No, that's not it. No. I don't remember coriander and cumin there is are the same thing there is something there is something that oregano is but yeah that drove me crazy for years was why is oregano not in this flipping book yeah it is it's just under a different name
0: so yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no i think you're i think you're absolutely right i think you do need to
0: wild marjoram uh,
1: again uh, uh, we keep coming back to do more research which is interesting but um but no i think i think on a, a large to a large degree correspondence are personal. But I also don't see anything wrong with using correspondences out of a book.
0: I don't either. I think you... But I, again, I think it goes back to, you know, maybe even when you're in the book, I mean, still using the same witchy book and you run and go to gossip and you look up and you, you know, you get your list there of all your little herbs, actually go and read the whole entry. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe it halts gossip by making people tell the truth, or maybe it halts gossip by removing you from the gossip situation. And if you're doing that in, in, in a, a, uh, an employment scenario, you may be removed from that job. I mean, you just you, well,
1: but see, we're but see, we're, we've sort of gotten into a discussion about intent, how to use correspondences. But what about correspondences like you know this herb corresponds with this tarot card? Oh God! Because that dri- I know that drives you crazy.
0: I just don't understand it. I, I, I just don't. I don't understand. Well, but that. See, I, I, I don't it know. It baffles we me.
1: We have two very different schools of thoughts when it comes to magic. Yes. Because you like relatively simple. Yes. And while I see the value of relatively simple, and I do that sometimes, what I really like is incredibly elaborate. Yes. So I can see the value of knowing which tarot card corresponds with which herb corresponds with which rock corresponds with what color corresponds with what time of day and what phase of the moon and what season and I mean I can see myself
0: But then if you if you did all of those things that. when would you ever do your spell I, Oh god I've got to wait till 2013 and 4:59 p.m. at March 2nd <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, you know that's the I best mean, time to perform my prosperity spell, <laughs> you know?
1: Well, but the best time doesn't necessarily mean it's the only time. But no, I mean, I, I, and I'm i not saying that I would always incorporate every correspondence I could possibly think of. But, you know, if you want, if you normally work with tarot cards and you want, you know, to use a tarot card in a spell... And you're trying to put together that spell, knowing what herbs or what candle color is, you know, typically associated with that might be of of help. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's just because there is a table of correspondence for just about everything you can think of doesn't necessarily mean you have to use it all. doesn't mean you have to use any of it. You can do point, whatever you want.
0: At some point, you have to be the witch. I mean, at some point, you have to be taking control of the energy. And so... I mean, I don't know if this is not true, but say, you know, you are trying to, you're you're trying to create an energy and to direct that. I mean, you know, that's kind of what we said spells were. You're you're raising an energy and directing that. So you get out your lover's card because you're, you're doing it on somebody that you love or your, your, your spell is for, you know, some, well, somebody that you love, you know, your, your partner, your mother, your somebody, you know, so you get out your lover's card. So you can so stick that there. But you don't necessarily have to get the herb that corresponds with that tarot card. You know, at some point you have to be the witch and say, okay, I want gossip to halt for my loved one.
1: But see, And I so think, then,
0: you know, just yes. because Slippery Elm doesn't necessarily correspond with the, the lover's card doesn't mean you still can't use it in that instance.
1: Did you totally just look that up?
0: No, I knew, no, that, no I, that's the one herb that I know is bad for gossip. So that's why oh, I used Oh, okay.
1: Because <laughs> I was like, I just saw that in the book. Did you just sneak a peek at the book? No. Okay. Um, no, I think you're right. <gasps> but I think. But we, see, got see, on, I th- we got it on, we got it on the podcast. Got, got on yes. The tape. Got yes. The tape. You got it on tape. Yes. I think you're right. Go ahead and rejoice.
0: Oh, I'm going to cut that out. I'm going to use that as my ringtone. Every time you call me, it's going to say, <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs>
1: because that won't be annoying um but no i i do agree but i think we're missing the fundamental point and the fundamental point at least in my opinion is that none of it is necessary the only reason that you would use the lover's tarot card or the slippery elm bark or whatever it is is because you feel that that particular tool helps you channel energy in a specific direction to get the outcome that you want.
0: Well, but I'm saying if somebody is, is more like you on your side of things and they want a tarot card and an herb or a group of herbs and burning as an incense and they want a brew and they want a candle and they want, and they want to do all of that. You can get all of it that corresponds together or you can just, Be witch enough. I was going to say, have the balls, and I already did. So there we go. (laughs) You can be witch enough to say, okay, I'm the witch. I decide what how the energies are going to work. So I'm going to not necessarily get everything that corresponds together. I'm just going to do what I feel needs to be done. I'm going to do...
1: Yes. But I think that that just comes with... That comes with experience and knowing what the hell you're doing. I mean... any anytime un, unless you have a very basic need, you know I need money. Well, even that even that basic need why is your dog conducting?
0: She does that
1: uh yeah yeah, that's very <laughs> distracting to have a Pomeranian conducting me um but anyway, sorry. Wow, tangent, squirrel, pomeranian. Okay. <laughs> that just completely derailed my train of thought. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um and I I honest to God have no idea what I, I was saying.
0: We we were talking about um, you know, when you have all of the stuff and and uh, you know, when you do the high ceremony of having all of the different uh correspondences you were responding to that.
1: Yes, I think I think it's important though to oh basic need okay so you have a basic need of i need money okay well there are a lot of different ways that you could go about getting the money right you could just do a general prayer to the universe please send me money you could do a please let me get scheduled for more hours at work so that i earn more money mm-hmm. please let um you know i mean there there are lots of different ways that you could get it you know please let my tax refund come this week please Mm. let there are lots and lots of different things that you could do right right but if 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 what you're going to do is just a basic i need money i don't think you should be going too far out of the scope of the things that to you correspond with money because that is the ultimate goal. When you've got a more complicated goal, like I want um, you know, the gossip at my mother's workplace to stop so that she will be more happy, so that she will you know, not unload all of her stress on me, you got a lot going on. And as a magical practitioner, you need to know how to incorporate – you either need to know how to incorporate all of those elements into what you're doing, or you need to split them up and deal with each element on its own. Because and you want to stop gossip, you want your mother's workplace to be a better environment, and you want her to stop unloading stress on you. That's three different goals. That's not to say you can't do them all at the same time, but you're not just going to use stop gossip as your correspondences because that's not the that's not the only goal. So, and and that's the kind of thing that comes with experience and with practice and with putting more effort into what you're doing.
0: And I would say that if a situation has that many parts to it, yes, you could break it down and you could do one simple spell for each. Or you can go more your route. And that's what I was saying with the many different kinds of things. You could do an elaborate spell for that kind of targeted specific thing. Um, You know, my mother's negative workplace needs to improve and she needs to you know not be stressing me out with it um you know you you can you can make a spell that does that you can go about it one of two ways if you're somebody that's a little less simple and a little more you know if we're on if we're on the, the Kinsey scale of, of magic youth I'll be a zero and you'll be a six um I'll be a two <laughs> it's, the okay. only, it's the only time in my whole life I'll ever be a Kinsey two uh, <laughs> but um so you know you can so you could do an elaborate ritual to send your mother positive magic i mean you know you could do the whole you could get the lady card you know uh, the lady card um the empress card i i I Mm -hmm. use the the druid craft tarot so it's called the lady um you could use the the empress card and you could use oh god uh, what's an herb for motherhood roses i don't know say it is (laughs) Sure. and you could put a dish of milk out and you could play i don't know drums <laughs> that drumming music and you could you know you could get ever you could get moonstone and you could get all of those things but i don't know if you put milk and moonstone and and all of that she might start lactating at the age of 75 who knows <laughs> i mean It just... Never mind. But, I mean, you could get all of the things that correspond to mother out. And you could, you know, sit there and do a spell. Or you could get, you know, some yellow cord and and tie it. And so there's your gossip. And then you could get your... uh, A piece of rose quartz for an amicable situation. You know, a peaceful situation. You could get a blue... you know, a blue candle for peace or for healing and, you know, all of that kind of thing. You could get kind of each thing and make it still a big ceremony but it doesn't have to be, okay, I'm doing this big spell for my mother with seven different components. You can have seven different components that are each taking care of that situation, but then you're directing it with your words, with your verbal spoken words.
1: Wow, that brings up a whole new conversation that we're not going to get into this time. We'll, We'll save that one for later. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I, okay, verbal, but... spoken words, but you know, you're you're directing it with your intent. <laughs> yes. Then you know, you're directing right. it with your intent. You're saying, okay, I'm taking a little bit from column A, a little bit from column C, and a little bit from column H, and putting it together and directing it for this one specified intent because that's what a witch is supposed to do, right?
1: Well, and I think, and I think when you say, you know, grow up and be a witch, that's what you mean.
0: Grow up and be. And a I told,
1: and I told, I totally agree with that because if you are going to undertake. No, I said I agree with you i I did <laughs> not say the other phrase that you're so happy about. um, but no, I think if you are going to seriously undertake a magical practice, you need to put some time and effort into understanding what you're doing because if you don't, you're not gonna end up being successful. it's you know it's you need to understand what you're doing, you need to understand how to put a spell together. So that it will work for you and how I do it and how you do it may not be how somebody else does it.
0: And there are times when there's this very big complicated situation that I will go more to kind of your side, but only because I'm trying to take care of several different aspects of the situation, kind of like how I was outlining. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there is a time and place for the big complicated ritual for a big complicated situation.
1: Right. And and some people may be more comfortable with breaking it down and taking it piece by piece and doing something, Mm -hmm. you know, either simple or elaborate for each specific piece of the problem. Right. Instead of putting it all together and doing one big something Mm -hmm. for that covers everything. And some people may just say, you know, I just want this situation to clear up and I'm going to burn a white candle and that's going to be the end of it and I'm not going to worry about it. And I'm I am not one of those people. But if it works for you, I'm not going to tell you not to do it.
0: Now, how long should it take to work for you?
1: <laughs> oh, yes. This is a.
0: That's a segue. Yeah.
1: That, Did you catch it, that? It wasn't. It, I, I love you. It wasn't a great one, but it, it, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was kind of jarring and abrupt. Whoa. But okay. <laughs> <There it laughs> well, went. how long do you think? How long do you think it should take?
0: Not ten years. Less than that.
1: I personally, I think it completely depends on the situation. Now, granted, I think 10 years is extreme. I was listening
0: to a show. I won't say the show, but the podcaster was saying, I needed a new car. I wanted a new car. needed a new car. So I did a spell. 10 years later, all of a sudden, some events fell into place when I could get this great new car at this great deal. Mm -hmm. And that was my spell that worked. And I think, okay, 10 years to get a new car. I mean, really? You couldn't have... I don't know, gone, gone to cars.com or something. I mean, you know, yeah, really 10 years for a spell to work. Really? I just, I, I, I disagree that it should take 10 years. So,
1: so do you believe in putting a time limit on your spells? Cause some people do that. Hmm.
0: Yes. Yeah, sometimes. <clears throat> Um, yes, sometimes, uh, when the dog is needing a shoe thrown at her, <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: gonna say, what is that
0: noise? My dog. I heard
1: a menacing growl, <laughs> that's but <laughs> my, that's
0: my ta- dog trying to eat my cat. Ah, <laughs> uh. um, but no, I, I, yes. And I say that tentatively because then I think there's sometimes when you, you need to let magic run its course in a lot of occasions, but I, I, I think that there's a point at which, you know we we like to believe that magic always works. Or a lot of people like to believe magic always works, no matter what. You do magic, and it will always work. And I think that there may come a point when you just have to say, maybe it didn't this time.
1: You know, and I don't, I don't know where I got this quote from, but I really, really like it. Um, I've heard it in several different places. I don't know where it originated. You can probably tell me. Um, there is this Saying that basically goes, God answers all prayers, sometimes the sometimes answer the is answer no is
0: no, yeah, but the thing about and I magic... Think magic
1: works I think magic works the same way, I think sometimes it what what it is that you so desperately want is not going to come to you,
0: okay, but with magic, you're not petitioning a deity and th- not magic, necessarily. magic does not have. At least how I understand it, unless magic is a deity or an entity in and of itself that that can say no, magic can't say no
1: okay, but the i a lot of a lot of people believe that basically what you do when you perform magic is you put energy out into the universe and the universe gets back to you, so basically what you're doing is you're deifying the universe and you're using them for your petitions for whatever it is that you want or need. Take, I mean, that that goes into a completely different discussion of what exactly is magic.
0: Take weather magic, for example. Somebody that wants to make it sunshine when it's supposed to rain all week on their on their birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, uh, <laughs> Quit
1: whining. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: got three! Dude, it's raining April the showers whole time.
1: bring May flowers, so enjoy it in May. And yeah, but and like, like it yeah,
0: but like, like uh, Scarlet from Lakefront Penguin Boy said, "What does April snow bring? Huh? Huh? Tell me that."
1: It's not snowing. It was. It's not where not where you are. It's yes. not sticking to anything.
0: Not it's sticking not to anything. But it snowed. Stupid snow. Well,
1: if it doesn't stick, it doesn't count.
0: Stuck to cars. Anyways, um, <laughs> stupid snow in April. It's ridiculous. Um, but. <laughs> Oh God! whoa, there went my train of thought too. There it went. Look, right <laughs> there. Thanks. Good job. Yeah. um yeah. Weather magic. Weather magic. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing weather magic, and you know you've put this energy together. Well, maybe the energy of the rainstorm was too much. You know, maybe it literally. But I don't know that that's a, a day. I don't know that that's the universe saying no. I think it's your energy, your spell could not overcome the power of that rainstorm you could not overcome the the energy that had already been worked for that rain to happen
1: see and i would kind of consider the the energy of the rainstorm to be the energy of the universe so it, it, i mean it kind of depends on how you're defining your terms and and what you think is controlling things like that but I think that I, I think, but, reg- but regardless, well, regardless of whether or not you're deifying the, the universe or whatever the case is, my point is sometimes you do magic and you don't get what you asked for,
0: right? And I would just say, like say that sometimes that's because you pray sometimes... and
1: sometimes you don't get what you asked for. I mean, you know, that's just the way that the existence is
0: i can understand that i can um but i i i think that there are two different instances i think that in both cases that it can it can you know you can be turned down but i think that when you if, if you believe in deity and you believe in prayer then i think that you are giving the divine the power to say no i mean you're asking somebody to do something you're asking your kid to clean the room clean his room clean his room clean his room and the kid can say no Um, You know, in that instance, it could be, you know, petitioning the divine, clean my room, or you can go in with magic and, and, you know, you can go in by doing magic and just clean the room.
1: Yeah, but you can't ground God. It doesn't work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you get what I'm saying. I mean, some, you know, other, the divine can have the power to just not do it, can just Mm -hmm. have the power to not. Sometimes, however, you know, you, as the mom trying to come in and clean the room, say, you know, as as the, the metaphor for coming in and doing magic to do something, maybe the mess is too big. Maybe it's too much for you to handle on your own. Maybe it is too much and you literally can't get the whole thing done with magic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, Again, like the rainstorm, it may be too much, too big of a thing for you to handle. It may not just be a teeny tiny little rainstorm that came up in your area that you, with your little broom, can sweep away. Um, Okay,
1: but for the purposes of the conversation about magical timing, let's say you do your your spell to stop the rainstorm, and it doesn't work instantaneously, but three hours later the storm stops.
0: Well, I think, this is, I think that means the magic. This works. actually
1: ties into well, this actually ties into magical timing and our next and last conversation, awesome. which was when does coincidence stop and magic begin? Because just to take the example about the car, okay, so you did a spell because you need a new car, and ten years later you get a new car. I agree with you that that seems outside the realm of what would magically happen, but at the same time. This person did get a new car. If they had gotten a new car the next week, would that have been magic? Would that have validated the spell as opposed to getting it years down the line? Do you see what I'm saying? Because magic is indefinable, Mm -hmm. because we don't know how it works, it's very difficult to say, oh, well... Yes, you cast a spell for that, but it took you 10 years to get it, so it's not the spell coming true. Okay, I realize that this is a really bad example, and it's from pop culture, and you're going to make fun of me, but it's like the spell that... um, Practical magic Yeah. Like Sally Owens casts when she's a little girl, and then as an adult, she meets the guy that was the target of the spell. I mean, how do you know that just because there's years removed there that it isn't still that same energy circulating around and eventually getting you to where you want to be?
0: And again, to go back to that Christian example of, uh, you know, praying for something and then uh, when you pray for something, when you put the magic out there, you one could say that now you're on the magic's time. Now you're on God's time. You know, I've prayed for God to do something and now I'm on God's time. When God believes that it is time for that thing to happen, then it will. Right. Um, You know, y- you might be praying, okay, I need my child to be healed i need my child to be at peace i need my child to be well well maybe being well for your child is going home to god and that is being well and maybe that was the answer and it's god's timing and god's all of that but again there's the other part of me that says but magic is a more direct approach i mean magic is 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 prayer with a headlock. It is saying, okay, no, but do it now. I am ready for it now. It is not praying. It's not but, petitioning the deity. It's not putting it outside of somebody else's hands. It's taking it into your own hands.
1: But if you if you cast a spell and say, I want $10,000. If you don't say, I want $10,000 now, and you get $10,000, you know, in 25 years. I mean, that that's part of my problem with a lot of the quick and easy spell work is it doesn't put parameters on it. It's not specific enough. You're, you're basically putting the energy out there that I want $10,000. At some point, somehow, some way, you're not being specific about when you want that or how you want that to come to you. And there is something to be said for leaving that door open and letting whatever is going to happen happen. hmm personally i think if it's going to happen then it doesn't need magic to happen it's if it's going to happen it's going to happen period but that's another discussion there is something to be said for leaving it leaving it a little bit vague to allow multiple opportunities for that to come to you but at the same time if you leave it too broad then how do you know that it's not the energy of the spell 10 25 years later finally coming to fruition i mean it it it, it it's one of those things i guess where it just depends on what your view of magic is and how, how quickly magic works. Nobody knows the answer to that question. So I think there is no,
0: I mean, there's no, you know, to use the phrase magical formula. I mean, there is no magic formula. There's no magic bullet to say, okay, every time I do this sleep spell, I get Mm -hmm. to sleep within five minutes. Right. You know, every time I do this rain spell, I get rain within 24 hours. You know but I
1: think but I think the the question of when does coincidence stop and magic begin, I think to me that's completely and totally when you decide it does i think I think that's you know if if every time and I think I think I, it, I think
0: it really goes back to that childlike faith of believing, oh oh, it finally happened, oh there it is, you know, and then you know having kind of that that just not Pollyanna belief, but there's that childlike faith in that, oh, it did happen. My magic did work. It is real. It is working. But see,
1: then, but see, then I guess I'm just... I, I question why you're so skeptical of the idea of somebody's spell working 10 years later. Why, why does the amount of time mean that it's more likely coincidence? You see what I'm saying? Like, because I mean, it doesn't... I, I agree with not, you.
0: Because that doesn't work in any other instance. I mean, there is no other instance in which... Okay, I'm going to shoot a gun and kill somebody, but when I shoot the gun, he doesn't die until 10 years later.
1: But see, you know,
0: there's a sta- okay, because in I see my what head you're there's a statute of limitations. That's the proper term. There's a statute of limitations on something. <laughs> there should be a statute of limitations on deciding okay, this occurrence is now magic or at least in my head. And maybe that's because of the legal side, maybe that's, you know, my criminal justice <laughs> working in the court system. But there's a st- at, well, at and, some point and I think, it's done. And, I mean, at some point And I think you for some people
1: yeah, I think for some people, too, not necessarily you, but I think for some people, um, pop culture has played a large a large part in that because there is very much this association of magic as being instant gratification. But it's not. It, if it was instantaneous, I could, you know, like the Sisters Uncharmed, I could, you know, repeat a little chant and my house would be magically clean. Mm-hmm. You know, there's it doesn't work that way. And the problem is we don't know how it does work, but we know that it's not instantaneous. We right. know that.
0: And But I would say, okay, if it's raining and I get up in the morning and I think, oh, God, here's another day of rain and blah, blah, blah. And then I go in and I do a, you know, get rid of the rain, bring me sunshine spell. And within the mm-hmm. next couple of hours, it clears up. And for the whole rest of the day, it's sunshine. I probably say that that's the spell working or that mm-hmm. you, you helped things along. But if you go in and you do a get rid of the sun you know get rid of the rain you know and bring me sunshine today spell and the rain doesn't stop at all i i think it didn't work
1: but see you put a caveat on it when you were just saying that you put a caveat on it let the rain end today and that's what i'm saying If you want something to happen within a specific time period, you need to tell it, this needs to happen within a specific time period. Okay,
0: so, well then let's go back to that uh, that discussion. So, okay, I have given my spell the length of the new moon to the full moon to work. Okay. And it doesn't. Okay. Did my magic not work?
1: I would say if you gave it a specific parameter and nothing happened within that time period, then yes, it failed.
0: Okay, so... I do a spell when mm-hmm. I'm nine years old to meet my true love. Mm-hmm. I am 79 years old and on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. I've got 48 hours to live. Yeah. Some, but you know, I'm in a nursing home and then they bring in somebody else, another, mm-hmm. you know, 79 year old guy, another 79 or mm-hmm. nine year old girl, whatever your case may be. Um, Next to me and we just really hit it off and I, you know, instant chemistry, instant connection, instant, you know, oh God, you know, I real, wow, that's just love at first sight. Wow. You know, was that the magic of your nine year old self or was that when you were 79, you know, you finally, you, you met somebody and really hit it off.
1: You know, I can't answer that. I don't know.
0: See, I, and I know, and again, I know it's
1: a, cheap, I know it's a cheap answer, but I, I don't know.
0: See, and I, I mean, it, I it think that I just, at, I think just at some point, it's, it becomes to stuff happens, and you know, you, and it's really easy to talk about this in the case of good things happening. When you want something good to happen to you, and then finally something good happened to you, it's really easy to attribute it to that good spell thing that you did. But right. you know, when bad stuff happens to people, when you want bad mm-hmm. things to happen, when 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 not necessarily you want bad things to happen, but what do we always say? Well, sometimes it's not karma, sometimes shit just happens. Sometimes yes. stuff just happens. Well, that works for the good things too. Mm-hmm. We all it want does. we all want good things to happen to us. And we might say, I want, I want, I want to fall in love, I want to fall in love, I want to fall in love. Well, sometimes you fell in love. Because shit happens, and sometimes good shit happens, and I don't yeah i I think at some point again i I don't know what the exact statute of limitations would be, and I don't think that it, i think seven it's, years I think it's elastic, okay, seven years is now the statute of limitations for a spell to work, and if it's outside of seven yes. years, you need to email Velma
1: it's just coincidence at that it's point, just
0: coincidence at that point,
1: do you know why I say seven years?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Do you want me to tell you? I
0: would love for you to tell me.
1: And I'm, and I'm totally making this up as I go along. Well, not the fact that I'm about to tell you, but I'm, I totally just came up with that. Okay. Um, because it takes seven years for every cell in your body to completely regenerate. So every seven years, physically, uh-huh. you are a completely different person. Okay. I mean, obviously, you look the same and everything. But all of the cells in your body regenerate every seven years. Okay. So every bit of you that would have been involved in that spell... Is gone by that time. Okay. So seven years.
0: Okay. That's something. <laughs> well, I mean, but you could also say, you know, when the spell ingredients break down and are completely, you know, compost now or.
1: Well, and that's totally and that's totally up to you. And quite honestly, I think there are things that I think part of trying to put a parameter on the timing of a spell and how long it should take to work is dependent on what you're doing the spell for. You know, if I do a spell to find my car keys, I would expect that to be quicker than a spell to lose 50 pounds. You know, I mean, it it totally depends on what the goal of the spell is. Because if if you want to cast a spell so that you can, um, you know, go, you know, so that you have the resources to go to Europe, That's probably a long-term goal. It's probably something that you're going to be working at, or to lose weight, or to, you know, so be realistic. Be be. realistic. You well, yes, because I, you know, I can cast all the spells I want. I can put as much energy into it as I want. I'm not going to wake up 50 pounds lighter tomorrow. So if I I need, it's not going to happen unless my leg falls off or something. I mean, it's you know, it's not going to. But a spell like if I I need a car, car
0: if I need a car, is it?
1: feasible for 10 years
0: down the road
1: okay but something like that it could be a a more long-term goal or it could be a more short-term goal and that's why in that instance and i would say probably in all instances you need to be putting a parameter you need to be putting a time frame on this spell this is how long this spell is going to last period
0: are, are there ever any instances in which there are some kinds of magic that no matter what you put the parameter no matter what words you say or think or whatever that you um that it doesn't matter what parameter you put on it that it's just going to do it whenever I mean is there some times when magic is just bigger than your own parameters
1: I, I think that's possible but I also think that coincidence happens I,
0: agree. I mean we're trying
1: we're trying to determine. you're define- right <laughs> We're trying to define things that are ultimately indefinable. True, um, but I think movie, if you want true. this, if you want this indefinable something to be successful, in as much as that means, I think you need to be fairly specific with not only what you want but also when you want it.
0: I want it, and I want it now.
1: <laughs> Damn it! Well, you can't always get what you want. Oh, but yay. If you try some, but if you try sometimes, you just might find you get what get you need. Get what you need.
0: need. Yeah. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> um another little mini topic comes to us uh, and we are kind of done with the topics that we drummed up. Um yes. I'd like to get to a little bit of listener feedback. Uh, Dan, we we um are apparently big with the uh, the Celtic deities because Danu herself sent us an email. Um okay. so you know, the great Celtic mother goddess Danu.
1: Okay, would you, okay, you can stop now.
0: Sent us an email that was uh dear Firelight and Velma. Oh I was first. Um <laughs> I love you two together and separately. Thanks for taking care of your people, us, with all of your information, entertainment, and the warmth that you spread through the blog and po- and iPod waves. Oh, Aww. we have people. Oh That's so awesome. Oh well we spread warmth. That was just Velma farting. Um I have a oh! <laughs> Excuse you i don't know what you're talking that's about just uncalled for it was uncalled for kika why did you say that that's horribly rude
1: you blame your dog uh
0: i have a question for you guys uh she seems to think you're male i'm sorry um why does everyone seem to diss Llewellyn publishers even velma's voice quivered a little when she mentioned the publisher in a recent episode of her own podcast is it too fluffy i don't hate their work in fact some of it is useful danu Okay, let's get to it. Why do people dislike Llewellyn?
1: You know, there are varying opinions. Mm-hmm. My my personal opinion is that not everything Llewellyn publishes is crap. Mm-hmm. Not Not by a long shot. I think they do publish some very good things. But they do also publish some crap. And because they publish some crap they have developed a rather unfortunate reputation within the pagan community as crap publishers. And so anytime I'm going to reference a book that is a Llewellyn publication, I almost feel like I have to apologize for the fact that it's a Llewellyn publication, which I don't particularly like. But I will agree, they have published some very good books. But they've also published crap.
0: (laughs) We've talked about this before, and actually... uh... Standing Stone and Garden Gate, uh, the uh, podcast that is run by Dr. Brendan Myers, also talked about this because he had submitted one of his books to Llewellyn and they denied him. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of our favorite authors, Dorothy Morrison, also was denied uh, publication by um, Llewellyn for uh, Utterly Wicked.
1: I I know more about that. Oh, okay. I'm not not going to air it, but she was not denied. Oh. I'm just going to
0: put it that way. Okay. Well, then. (laughs) I'm wrong. But I do know that Dr. Brendan Myers had his book denied. Um, Well, and that
1: doesn't surprise me. They do not strive to um, produce intellectually stimulating publications.
0: Which is why a lot of people, which is another reason why a lot of people dislike them. They tend to only focus and only publish on more than 101, maybe sometimes 201, love and light. And in that instance of calling it the love and light and only focusing on the good, fluffy aspects of the craft right tend to focus... and that's
1: not just and and that's not to say that everything they publish is crap. I mean, they have definitely published some good books. Um, I don't think anybody would disagree that Scott Cunningham's work, while not necessarily what everybody does, is a good place to start.
0: It's a good place to start. If you're yes. interested
1: in Wicca and they published all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have pub- they're they're still continuing to publish um, you know a lot of but... Relatively decent things. Well, yes, go ahead.
0: But Llewellyn, when they accept an author for publication, the author then, if I'm not mistaken, gives up editing and formatting and stuff rights. And sometimes... Basically,
1: yeah, my understanding is that basically in order to be a Llewellyn uh, uh, author, and this is all third-hand knowledge, but my understanding is that you basically sort of sign your name over to them and they can make whatever changes to your manuscript they want to make which does make a certain amount of sense when you consider that all of the 101 books that Llewellyn has published publish basically the same version of Wicca history Yeah, as the first 10 pages of their book um, there are some things that are sort of universal about Llewellyn books like they always spell magic with K's mm-hmm. um, I, I mean I I had thought a couple of years ago about writing a book and, and now we
0: are.
1: Well, now we are. It's magic. But, <laughs> with or without a K, you pick. <laughs> um, but no, I, and when I heard about this, it really kind of put a bad taste in my mouth about trying to go to Llewellyn as a potential publisher for whatever I might write. Just because I, I wouldn't want somebody to have that kind of license with anything that I write. That's not to say that they can't, you know, make improvements or, you know, I can't work with an editor and, you know, make it better than what I originally wrote. But to basically give somebody the ability to say, yeah, you can write basically whatever you want. You can change my book however you want and you can still put my name on it. I personally couldn't do that. But that's part of why some people say, oh, well, you know, I really don't like X author. You know, I really don't like. Silver Ravenwolf, I really don't like um, Deborah Blake, I really don't like Ellen Dugan, whatever the case may be and more often than not, the reasoning is, well, you know they're Llewellyn publishers I have a hard time discrediting the author just because the publishing house (laughs) publishes their works Um, but yeah, there is definitely sort of this ripple of dissent among the pagan community about Llewellyn.
0: I'm one of those people.
1: <laughs> well, and I, I and I don't think it's completely unfounded. I,
0: I automatically, I mean, if a book is published by Llewellyn, I automatically want to, I, I don't want to automatically purchase it. I mean, if I'm thinking of, ooh, that might be an interesting book, and I see it's published by Llewellyn, I do a little bit more I, you know I try and find out more about the author. I try and find out you know what other people are saying about the book. I try and flip through it at the bookstore and you know just kind of spot read a few chapters to see what it's saying, um, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of of look at it because um, I'm gonna cough um, but uh, <laughs> the, the the same problem that I have with Llewellyn um, is I think the same problem that I'm becoming to have that I'm coming to have with Witchbox is they seem to publish everything without filter.
1: Well, and they didn't used to do that. To be fair, Llewellyn didn't always do that. I mean, maybe they did, but maybe just the quality of what they were putting out in the you know late 80s, early 90s was different. But I think regardless of who the publisher is, you still need to judge each book on its own merits. Mm-hmm. You know, don't judge a book by its publisher.
0: And I, you, you know, have to, one of the other problems that I have with the publisher in general is that, you know, it, it, it's, I don't know how much of a problem it is. Well, it is a problem, but okay. They're very successful. They have published a lot of books that have probably been some of the most successful books in pagan liturgy. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, some of the most published and they make probably more money than any other pagan publishing house.
1: Well, certainly any other publishing house that exclusively does pagan publications, which I think they might actually be the only major one,
0: right? Um, but I mean, there are other pagan publishing houses, but
1: but like Wiser doesn't just publish pagan books, right? And and um, oh, what's the other one? Um, New Page Books is part of a bigger company, and mm. the New Page Books is the. A cult section of it, but they—I mean, it's a bigger publishing house. Llewellyn is only Llewellyn,
0: but basically, you know that if your book gets published by Llewellyn, it's going to be seen by a lot of people. I mean, the books are in a lot of stores. I mean, you're you're pretty much guaranteed kind of instant pervasion, instant uh, you know flooding of the market with your book. Will will it be bought by a lot of people? Maybe, maybe not. But you're instantly going to get wider circulation.
1: But I do think that is starting to change.
0: But what I was saying was that the, the bigger problem that I have with that is that they seem to choose the same kind of book and the same kind of information over and over and over again. And I think for somebody, for a publishing house that has been as successful as Llewellyn, I think it's now safe for them to finally, you know, publish a book by Dr. Brendan Myers, publish a book by Dr. Anybody. <laughs> Um, you know, publish a book that is a little bit more academic or a little bit more, you know, maybe challenges, maybe a book that says, okay, well, I believe this, but it's not necessarily because of the burning times 9 million women died, you know, I believe X and mm-hmm. I believe Y, or, you know, not the same material over and over again. And I think the the main reason, and it, it is said a lot of different way, a lot of different ways, but I think that it's because Llewellyn has developed a, a status quo. They have made a bed. Uh on the laurels and they are resting there and they have rested there for quite well, some time.
1: And and my understanding too is that and I can't I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, I think it's Wachesky. Um, but Carl Llewellyn Le- Wachesky, who founded Llewellyn Publishing in the sixties, um my understanding is that he retired maybe ten years ago. Hmm. and I think his son took over. And what's interesting, maybe it wasn't 10 years ago, maybe it wasn't quite that long ago, but within the last 10 years, um, he he basically stepped down and his son took over. And what's interesting to me is, having been a bibliophile in the neo-pagan community for as many years as I have, I've paid very close attention to not only the books that I'm interested in, but also the other books that Llewellyn puts out, because they do put out tarot books and angel books. And, you know, they they do other things that are um, of a metaphysical slant than just Wicca books. And what's interesting is within the last couple of years, they've started putting out self-help books and teen fiction and mystery novels and they they've really sort of tried to start spreading their wings in completely other areas mm-hmm. and that's great for them if that sells and that makes the money but i think their new age publications are suffering because of it i don't i don't think that they're putting as much time and effort into maintaining a high level of quality or at least as high a level of quality as they ever had which is questionable um because their focus is elsewhere and
0: one book I am excited, I think, though, about people... uh, that's coming out from Llewellyn, um, Bronwyn Forbes, uh, a prolific yes. author, uh, writer on uh, Witch Vox. She does have one other book out, um, like Drink and Make Merry or something like that, that was published by Llewellyn. Yeah. But she does have one coming out that's like being pagan in a small town. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. I hope that they didn't Llewellynize that, because I really yes. like her writing style. I really li- Because mm-hmm. she is very well-researched. She knows her stuff. Um yep. She is Wiccan, but or was Wiccan is Wiccan was Wiccan um but uh sadly, she passed away, but i it it, it could be a big thing i'm 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 highly anticipating purchasing that book because I think that would be an what? interesting read yes, and yeah, again that goes be. to sometimes they do publish good stuff
1: well, from but good I authors. think partially too I think partially too uh, over the last decade or so the the fact that why what what's happening?
0: I was trying to clean my nose out, and I didn't want you to see.
1: Oh, lovely. All I got was thumb in the camera it's very distracting um, but Sorry. but no i
0: Next time I'll just <laughs> okay. pick my nose I, on camera I,
1: I, I didn't know if you were trying to tell me something, I guess, and i wasn't sure what with my the thumb. Interpretation yes. thumb, of thumb thumb was thumb. I, yeah okay all right but i think I think what has happened too is that because they publish seemingly anyway the same book over and over and over again. I think some of these other publishing companies like New Page Press, like Wiser Books, that do publish pagan literature, um are becoming more well known. Mm-hmm. And I think people are starting to go to other publishing houses.
0: Well, and I think it may that... shoot them in the foot in the long run because I think eventually people are gonna get get tired of the same old thing and want to go to well... others.
1: But, see, it depends on whether what they really want to do is keep publishing pagan publications or whether they really want to go be a teen fiction company. Yeah, because true. if what they really want to do is go be just a teen fiction really <laughs> Well, and see, that's part of the problem is, you know, if what they really want to do is just make as much money as possible, I got news for them. Neo-pagan publications is not the way to, make, to get rich. No. It's not going to happen. Um, so, I mean, it could be that they're changing the focus of their business. I, I, that I don't know. But I think some of the other publishing houses are becoming more well known, um, and some of the authors that are that are getting to be, you know, name recognition wise, this on the same level as you know some of their well well known authors: Raymond Buckland, uh, Scott Cunningham, Silver Ravenwolf, have never published anything from Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. They, they've gone to other publishing houses.
0: Judica you know, Ellis, if I'm not mistaken, hasn't ever published anything with Llewellyn, has she?
1: Um, I think she has. But I think that what she did publish with them was actually like a re-release of a previous book that had already been published by somebody else, Mm. Um, which actually really annoyed me because, sorry, side note, tangent, um, I hate it when authors release exactly the same book under a new title because I already have that book. Thank you. (laughs) Here you got me all excited thinking, oh, there's a new book out. And no, actually, it's exactly the same book that I had before. It just has a shiny new cover. That
0: was my big problem that, with Cunningham's Book of Shadows, because I'm like, well, I, I have his other books, and this is just kind of a compilation album. <laughs> this is just a but the greatest it was hit a
1: CD. Album. But at least it was a compilation album. It wasn't just exactly the same book. It wasn't Wicca for the cover uh, off. It wasn't Wicca. The cover on it.
0: Yeah, it wasn't Wicca, a guide for the solitary practitioner in hardback. <laughs> right. Um. We have gone a a whole show length and not rambled yet. Really.
1: Are you you kidding me? We've rambled through the whole thing. I'm
0: so happy. (laughs) But we didn't get off onto some crazy tangent for half an hour. I love that. And we got to feedback and yay.
1: Although we did not actually have a circular conversation, which we have now actually done. We did.
0: We actually did. We did. It took
1: two and a half hours.
0: Yes. But we, but we, we actually were got able all to the way back, back the through same... like
1: 12 different topics all the way back to where we started. It was yes. very impressive. It we was... were both very happy.
0: Yes. That was the one time <laughs> I thought that should have been a show.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, but speaking of shows, uh, we always like to highlight some good shows that we like that we feel are not getting as much listenership as as some other shows are underrated podcasts of the cast.
1: Or maybe they are, and we just don't know it. They, yeah, but
0: We just never see them on Podcast Alley. We don't ever see them on iTunes. We don't ever see them. They don't tweet. Why don't you tweet? More of you should tweet. You need to tweet. You yeah. all need to tweet. Um, yes. We do have two shows for you that we, we are liking, and they're both kind of regional shows. So I don't know. Maybe they're big in their region.
1: <laughs> well, they're regional, but, but what's interesting is that they're regional, but they're not.
0: Yeah, well, they're regional and just in title only. Um,
1: well, the first one, which I love the title of, it's Shh, there are pagans in Texas. Shh,
0: there are pagans in Texas.
1: It's wonderful. It's a great show. And for any of you who couldn't hear that, it was Shh, there are pagans in Texas. Um, but... They do, they do talk about you know events and things that are going on in in the DFW area in Dallas.
0: But they um, have done some really cool ass interviews. I mean, their interview with oh god those those coven, the, the the married couple and then the the one woman who's like been in the the D-
1: librarian.
0: Well, the librarian was a fantastic interview, a phenomenal yes. interview. That was phenomenal. Um, but no, and what's
1: interesting is they've done a lot of interviews. But they've never done an interview with, you know, insert your big name pagan here.
0: Right, right. It's
1: always, you know, the average person who has something very interesting to say about whatever they're talking about.
0: Yeah. But it's it's an incredible show. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the one note that I have. Oh, dear, sweet mother of Jesus Christ, God in heaven. Would you the, the drums? The drums are not in sync. The drums for their opening, the drum music that they have that I guess they recorded themselves it's not on beat and I think they both actually have music degrees and I'm like it's it's not on beat (laughs) fix that
1: maybe it's not supposed to be
0: no, maybe not, but it drives me crazy because I also have a musical background. See, there
1: you go, thinking everything has to be conformity. No, but maybe I, it's the,
0: supposed to be wrong. I know, but I you know, I also come from a musical background. My whole family's uh well, most of my family is musical and I grew up uh, in music, and it just it drives me crazy. But well, no, it's a phenomenal show.
1: Yeah, I I did too. It, I know it kind of drives me crazy too, but yeah. maybe it's supposed to be that way. Maybe, maybe it it's is... supposed to drive you crazy. Maybe the... it's supposed to weed out the people who can't stand the insanity so that they won't listen to the rest of the show. heres your... I mean, I'm just it out. there as an idea.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll round this out for full, full circle. I will have the childlike faith and believe <laughs> that it is supposed to be that way.
1: Yes, please do.
0: Um, the next show is uh pagan in Portland. Yes. Have you gotten to be able to listen to that yet?
1: Um, I have listened to some of it. I am woefully behind on my podcast listening. I'm still trying to get caught up. She's actually
0: never listened to this show. She has no idea what has said on the show. (laughs) She's never listened to this podcast.
1: I listened to the first episode of this show. Well, and I used to go back and listen to my own shows, too. And I don't do that anymore because I'm, you know, whatever. I, I need to listen to other people's shows first. And. You should not disagree with that, since you yell at me on an almost daily basis. Have you listened to my show yet? <laughs> so yeah, I'm still trying to get caught up, and I'm also still trying to you know get a show out of my own
0: mm Velma show, yummy yeah um, I, I need. To- but no, so please go, uh, download, they're both on iTunes, um, yeah. and I think they're, they're both, uh, I think they both use Podbean, maybe, but, um, shh, there are pagans in Texas. If you just type in the words, there are pagans in Texas, it'll still come up. You don't have to type in shh. Um, or
1: if you just type in shh, it'll pull it up. Ah. I with, do believe.
0: With three H's, I think. Um, uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then Pagan in Portland with the host Sonoran Green, um, which I love because it's the name of a toad. <laughs> I don't really know why that's funny to me, but it is. Yes, um, it's
1: three H's and an exclamation point.
0: Ah, well, there we go. Thank you for spell checking the word "shh" for us, Velma.
1: Well, I just wanted to see how it came up in iTunes, and that's how it comes up. If but, you just type in "shh," it'll come up.
0: Yeah, but sh, there are pagans in Texas. They haven't had the show in like a month or so. I know. I don't. They disappeared, and we have invited them to the Supermoot. So maybe we'll hear from them about that. Maybe they will come. Yay!
1: super moot
0: to the super moot one so last excited. thing before we start talking about all the things that we're doing and all, all, all our emails and stuff i did want to talk because we actually haven't ever mentioned it <laughs> but you and i are doing a do the stuff challenge together and yes uh it it comes out of um your top 10 things to do i don't remember what the list was but the number one thing is do the stuff do the yes. stuff um, you know yes. the top 10 ways of practicing magic it was,
1: it was actually it was the top 10 things that newbies need to know
0: top 10 th- things that newbies need to know and the the number one thing that newbies needed to know is do the stuff and what is do the yes. stuff Velma
1: um, basically it means don't just read the book and spout off at the mouth about how you're a witch actually do the stuff do the rituals do do the spell work do the the practices do the you know if you want to do daily meditations do that actually get involved in your faith.
0: And we, we labeled it our own do the stuff challenge because when you have a goal, when you have a goal, um, you know, when you, when there's something that you're wanting to achieve, you know, a lot of the times you kind of give it a good faith effort or you really think about wanting to do it and you never do the stuff to get it done and to get it really, really done. Mm -hmm. And each of us have had goals um, for a little while now and been looking for a good reason to get started on it. And uh my goal for my do the stuff challenge, um, and this was started, oh, probably about a month ago, it was started on yeah. Ostara. It was starting the weekend of Ostara. Yeah. Um because there was I, I remember because I had to do double duty on my do the stuff because there was a full moon <laughs> and Ostara was the next day. Yes. Um so my do the stuff challenge was I had you know, on each Sabbath, you know, eight times out of the year, I was fairly good about at least acknowledging that the Sabbath was happening, but I wasn't really worshipating it.
1: <laughs> worshipating? I like that.
0: Yep. Um, yeah. I wasn't really, you know, celebrating, worshiping. You know, I wasn't really enjoying it. I wasn't making, you know, the I wasn't having an experience. I was not mm-hmm. experiencing that day. And so my Do the Stuff Challenge for six months, and this actually ends on the weekend of the Supermoot. So it's kinda mm-hmm. nice because then we can come together and really see the changes that we've made in one another um and talk about it. And uh who knows, that may be a show that we record at Supermoot. Um but uh you know, my big thing we was We'll probably
1: not have time at Supermoot. We will probably
0: not have time at Supermoot. <laughs> Super
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing we on that, be, but
0: we'll I we be running so. crazy. But um but uh the Mine was for full moon, for the dark moon, or the new moon, whatever you want to call it, and then each Sabbath from Ostara until basically the weekend of September 17th. Um, you know, for that six month period, do the stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. do a ritual on the new moon, do a ritual on the full moon, you know, go all out. And for me, it also kind of came into, you know, when it's a Sabbath, decorate my house for the Sabbath, you know, Ostara is here and I've got eggs that I painted and I got, I went and actually got Easter decorations and spring decorations. And I really, you know, kind of decorated my house and because, you know, we all get into that mindset for Halloween and some of us get into that mindset for Christmas and Yule, but we don't ever, you know, really do that for everything else. And so for me... I wanted to, for my do the stuff challenge, decorate my house for each Sabbath, you know, come up with a ritual and all of that.
1: And to be fair, the restriction on it for your half of this was do something mm-hmm. more than just say, oh, there's a full moon today right. to acknowledge these specific times of celebration. Right. And I, But and we I... left it up to you what you do, how you do it, when you do it. Right. That's That's all your...
0: And so, and so I decided that my things were, I wanted to decorate my house for the Sabbaths. I wanted to have a ritual. I wanted to celebrate. And I wanted to cook. Um, on the full and new moons, I've been just kind of having a ritual. There was no decoration or no anything like that. But I have been having a ritual for each one. I've been really enjoying it, actually. I really feel that I've gotten a lot out of it. I feel that I have become a little bit more reminded of the whole idea of childlike faith, the whole idea of... Here we go. Full circle. <laughs> the whole idea of being in that moment and experiencing what I was experiencing and not questioning it and just saying, I am right now in this moment, communing with the deities of my understanding. And, right. you know, it, 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 I can already say it has, it has really helped me. And then your part of the do the stuff challenge was what?
1: To exercise three times a
0: week. Have you been doing that?
1: I have been doing that. I think there may have been a week in there when I only got two in. I've been very bad about keeping track of it. I need to start writing it down. Um, But again, just like you get the determination of what constitutes um, Mm -hmm. ritual or celebration. I get to decide what constitutes exercise. So things like yoga or Tai Chi, those things, I, I can use those as part of this.
0: Yes. Getting I also active. have a treadmill. Yes, being active, <laughs> being active, and you chose <laughs> you chose three times a week, and you, you know, three times a week. And that was my active. that was my call, right?
1: That was my call. Yes, to be active somehow physically, as opposed to it's interesting because mine is physical and yours is spiritual. Yes, and it's it, it's interesting that it turned out that way. Well, but by because... nature, I think I don't know that by nature I'm more spiritual, but you are definitely by nature more physical than I am.
0: Well, but that's the thing, as I think that each of us you know, have become so strong in, in, in a particular aspect of our lives. And I, yeah, I think that you are a much more spiritual person than I am, or, you know, or at least, you know, you do a lot more of the spiritual stuff and I do a lot more of the physical stuff. Yeah. And I think we're kind of trading I, I off, you know, I think we're kind of trading off. I mean, I go to the gym four to six days a week and, you know, I, I you know, I'm really, which
1: I consider the height of insanity, but you know, <laughs> that's
0: just me. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well if you want the if you want the abs you have to go that much.
1: <laughs> See, and I'm just not sure the abs are that important to me.
0: No. Now,
1: the the lack of flab, that that's good. But I don't know that I, you know, need to get ripped. I will I will, no, I will uh, never be Jillian. I will never oh, be
0: I will Jillian. never be Jillian. That woman is Ever. ripped. That woman is she, ripped.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: But it's funny, I call it working out. She calls it training, and she trains. I mean, she trains. And she's actually, and we have invited um, through Twitter, uh, you know, all of you to do the stuff with us. Whatever your stuff is, do that stuff until the Supermoot. You know, come by the Supermoot and tell us what you did. You know, tell us what stuff did you do? You can email us, incitingabrewhaha at gmail.com. What stuff do you need to do and take six months? And I was going to, uh, you know, well, five months at this Well, point, five months, but, um, and it all came out because I wanted to make a new year's resolution this year. Okay. For this whole year, I'm going to do the stuff. But the problem is when you make a resolution or when you make a decision that, okay, now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do X unless you have a support system, unless you are unbelievably motivated and you know, it's really hard to do that for a whole year. And at first I wanted to say, okay, I'm just going to take a year and do everything. But, um, you know, you and I were talking and I said, okay, six months, six months. If I can't do it for six months, then I need to be reevaluating some things in my life. Mm -hmm. And we've each been able to keep up with it and it's been very good. And, um, you know, and then at the end of that six months, we can go ahead and say, okay, we'll continue this for a year and then see the full change and see all of that, that, uh, full thing. Well,
1: and I, and I mean, and we haven't really talked about what we'll do after that, but I think, Six months is enough time to, first of all, make whatever it is a habit. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how long it takes to to make a habit. 21 days, I, I think? It's, I think, See, I wanted to say 28, but something like something. that. But anyway, it, it, it's a specific number of, of repetitions, and then something becomes a habit. Um. So it's enough time to do that and to maintain that for a while. But it's also enough time to let you see some change. I mean, if you say, I'm going to do this for two weeks well if it's something like exercise or it's something like i'm gonna celebrate every holiday for the next two weeks well unless you're going by the every day is a holiday because you're pagan thing um (laughs) you may or may not actually have a holiday in there so it really doesn't mean anything so six months is a good time frame
0: yeah six six months is you know half the sabbats it's half the the new it's half the the moon phases for the year i mean you know
1: yeah yeah so I mean it's it's a good time frame, and we'll figure out what we're gonna do after that and at that point, it may just be, well, I just keep up with exercise because I might enjoy it by then, um, and you might actually keep up with you know the ritual because you may find that you get a lot of fulfillment out of it yeah. once once you start making it more of a habit, so I mean it's you know we'll see we'll see what happens
0: we will and it's it has been enjoyable so far, I will say um I've been trying to blog about Maybe it for you uh i i <laughs> <laughs> I have been. I've been trying to blog about it. Um, I, I, I did not blog about this most recent, uh, dark moon, um, or the, the full moon that I did the other day, but, um, I, I do typically blog about it. Uh, just, you know, you can follow that, but it, it is, um, I do, we do tweet about it. We do tend to tweet about it. Um, well, well you you've do. not tweeted yours.
1: <laughs> I've not tweeted mine. I should, that would help me keep track.
0: But, um, but no, uh, tweet us, uh, the, the hashtag is the do, uh, do the stuff challenge. Hashtag do the stuff challenge. Um, you know, and keep up with everybody's do the stuff. I know Jillian took it upon herself. She's doing more my end of it again, because she's, uh, she's a very physical person. So she is kind of doing all the spiritual stuff. Um, but I think her do the stuff was like making potions or doing herb work or something like that. I think it was more about doing, you know, magical work. Um, And I think I may, at the end of six months, I may incorporate that. I may begin incorporating it. You know, do a spell a week or do a spell a month or something.
1: I think fundamentally what it breaks down to is it's a commitment to yourself to spend six months doing something that you want to do. Right. And making that a higher priority than it normally is. Mm -hmm. Which sounds a lot less magical (laughs) than, than the way we've been describing it. But was it... I think it was. I think it was on um, an episode of *Pennies in the Well*. Saturn Dark Hope was talking about all the things that she wants to do, and you know, she wants to learn how to make meat, and she wants to learn how to knit, and she wants to learn how to skydive, and she wants to learn how to rock climb, and she wants Mm to, you know, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And the older you get, the longer it gets, um, because there's more things that you're interested in. There's more things you're exposed to, and it can be very frustrating to have this big long list that. You know, it just feels like it gets longer and you never actually accomplish anything. So it's basically the idea of taking one of those things on that list and making it a priority for six months and seeing where it gets you. And it it may be that at the end of six months, you decide you don't want to do what you've been doing for the last six months. But now you know that you have that experience. You've done it.
0: It's like a college class. A college class is usually two to three times a week, every week for four to six months, depending on, on your school, you know, how your school is set up, but you know, it's a semester. It's a little less than six months, but still, you know, think of it that way. And you're learning a class. You're learning a set of ideas. You're learning some information for about six months, two to three times a week. And if you just say, okay, I'm going to treat this like a a class. I'm going to take a semester and I'm going to learn to make mead this semester. I'm going to learn to rock climb this semester. I'm going to learn how to properly make incense and, you know, right. six months down the road, you know, you may start off and not have a clue. I mean, you may – your incense may start off, you know, being just some random herbs on a piece of charcoal. And that may be your big first, you know, triumph. That may be your big first goal. And then six months down the road, you're making, like, you know, sawdust-infused cones and, you know, that have oil – the self-starting cones, and you know, all sorts of things. And you know, you may be really proficient in incense or at the very end, you may still be really good at taking some herbs and sticking them on some hot charcoal and making some good old incense, but you gave it a good college try. You know, that's one of the, you know, it's a good college try. There you go.
1: Yeah. No, I think, I think it's <clears> beneficial <throat> to anybody who like Jillian wants to be a student forever would love to be a professional student I would because love to be a professional there's so student. much, there's so much to learn. There's, there's always more to learn. There's always more subjects to explore. There's always more interests to develop. So, I mean, that's what it's all about.
0: Yes. It's all about the <laughs> learning here on Inciting a Bruhaha. <laughs> Um, I think that's a show.
1: I think that's a show.
0: I think that's yeah. a show. That's a long show. That's a really long show. But I yeah, think I don't a show. know how long
1: that show was. It's I a long know.
0: show. <laughs> it's like two hours? Something like that um but uh we we covered a lot of ground you all should be happy it's coming at the end of april but you should still be happy so
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's okay we did two in march so yeah there you go there you go
0: yeah um we are writing a book just in case you haven't heard Mm -hmm. it's called velma and firelight know everything 101 102 (laughs) 201 301 um that's not what it's called
1: (laughs) we don't know what it's called it doesn't have a title
0: but we would like your questions. We would like, uh, yes. we're we, we doing this book in kind of a question and answer format. Your questions about anything, anything relating to magic, the divine, uh, religions, religious philosophy, any little thing, um, you know, Community,
1: ethics, yes, any of it,
0: all of it. We've gotten some great questions. We have some of them we've turned into and probably will turn into show topics, but all of
1: it's it's difficult not to just want to tackle them all in the show because there have
0: been some very good questions.
1: There are some very good ones. Very
0: good. And pretty much any, uh, we are ending this, I believe in August, August 1st is the deadline for submission um, to be in the book. Uh, I think that's what we said. Yeah. Right. And then after that, we will get on the, um, combining it and, and organizing it and, uh, you know, taking all the questions and, and doing, you know, making our answers to them and making a book. Book. Yes. Here's a book. Um, yes. Poof. So, uh, if you would like to <laughs> I've sub- read
1: them all, I have to write one now. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. We do want this to be a book that you would be proud to purchase and put on your shelves. Um, we don't yes. want it to just be another crap book. So, uh, if you would like to submit a question, please send it to inciting at gmail.com. Mm hmm. Yes. And
1: if you want to stay up on the latest about the Pagan Podkin Supermoot, you can go to paganpodkin.com. It is the official website for the Supermoot. Um and you can see, you know, who all's coming and you can see what our plan of events is, although that is very short at the moment. It will probably stay very short, but there will probably be a couple more things added to it. Um,
0: There's also a message board. Yeah, you can you,
1: yeah, there's message boards. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of lots of information on there, if you want to attend or you want to sort of, you know, live vicariously and see who's going and you know. And once we all, get all there,
0: I mean, once we get there, it will probably be the place where we post pictures and we post any video and we put you know anything. Well, well, and there are
1: and there are pictures on there from last year.
0: Yes, there are. If you want to if see you, what if happened, you click at,
1: on 2010. Yeah,
0: if you want to see what happened at the first supermoot, go there. There's pictures. There's descriptions. There's you know itineraries yeah. and all that. And, uh, yeah, I
1: actually labeled the pictures. Good for you. Unlike some other people who will remain nameless.
0: <laughs> mm. Who was that, Jillian? Was it? Put, I bet it... who put
1: who put pictures on their website?
0: I bet it was the hooligans. Labeled them. It was the hooligans. Those damn hooligans. <laughs> hooligans, yeah. where is your show?
1: I know they have disappeared. Where is your show, where did hooligans? They go? We
0: did a show. Look at this. We're doing a show right now. We're recording. See this show We've happening. Done.
1: We've done a couple. I think we've done a couple of shows since they put out I know. Huh?
0: I know. What's the deal? Come on, hooligans. We need our hooligans. I need some hooligans. I'm telling you. Yes. Um, if you would like to get in touch with the show about it, if for any reason, like I said, the email is incitingabruhaha at gmail.com. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: If you would like to get uh, to tweet us, uh, there is no joint Twitter. That would be too much. No. We'd be crazy. That would be way too confusing. Oh, Jesus. That would be... <laughs> uh but uh, if you would like um Velma's twitter is
1: uh twitter slash which
0: yes, that is at which haha and mine is Twitter.com yes. slash inciting a riot that is at inciting a riot feel free to add <laughs> uh, add us to your twitters tweet us twat us tweet us yes us
1: yes, and in our friendly competition about who has more Twitter followers, you are still winning
0: Aw. <laughs> were we having a competition about that
1: oh it was it was kind of
0: a joke but... oh. Well, I but I tweet. So we we like we like
1: to to jovially prod at each other. Yes. I have more listeners than you. You have more listeners than me. Yeah, I have more followers than you. You have more followers than me. It's just fun. Well, it means nothing, but it's kind of fun.
0: I will go ahead and openly admit, Velma's show, which is bruhaha, has is is beating me in in listenership. <sighs>
1: Assuming the subscriber data we have is correct, which yes. we really don't honestly know. We but... don't know.
0: We have no idea. Yes. We, we, we think kind of she's beating me. That it is. But it's, you know, it, I, I it always like totally to assume wrong. that it's completely wrong and I am actually beating her. But <laughs> I'm also delusional on days that end in why. So, yes.
1: That is very true.
0: Yes. Um, if you want to keep up with anything uh, that goes on with me, you can go to incitingariot.com. That has the blog, that has links to the show, that has... You know all sorts of little things that are going on. You can uh, check out um, uh, Mrs. Oddly, the the new uh, donator person to the show. What Sponsor, sponsor is the word.
1: <laughs> we need we need to write a story about Mrs. Oddly.
0: Oh man, she wants us to. She said she wants us to, she wants us to write like a children's story out of Mrs. Oddly. See,
1: we need to do that, and then we need to we perform should. it on the show.
0: A mother of God. Yes. Okay. Sure. That would be That's fine.
1: Fantastic! Yes.
0: Okay, we'll do that. We'll yes. just add that the advent- to the list. The Adventures
1: of Mrs. Oddly. We
0: will just add that yes. to the list of things that we're doing this year. Yes. In between planning yep. Supermoot, writing the great next pagan book. Um, yes. Doing
1: well. That may that may filter into next year. Th- three different. That's, that's podcasts. That's a long-term goal.
0: Three different podcasts, yes. a blog. Mm-hmm. We've got plenty of time to write a children's story. I was story. actually
1: thinking of starting another podcast, but we'll get into that some what? other time. <laughs> What other we'll get into that. We'll get into that some other time.
0: No, today. you can't spill that to me and then uh, well, and to the listeners? What other show? what would the no. show be about?
1: No, I actually well and thanks for listening because I actually already spilled that to um Scarlett during my Lakefront Pagan Voice interview that she did I did, did which listen is out- I listened to all
0: 3 episodes but I listened to it at the gym so I don't tend to pick up every detail while I'm at the gym.
1: Yes. Well, I there there may be uh, s- something else coming. I don't know yet. I I haven't figured out if I'm going to do it or exactly. You are a glutton what. for
0: punishment. You are a glutton for punishment.
1: I I really like podcasting, I'm and glad. I really need to do it more. You
0: should do it more because <laughs> you don't do your one show. How are you going to do two shows?
1: No, I really I really needed to get an episode out. Yes, but no, I I've had an idea. So
0: oh dear God, help us all. Okay. <laughs> Well, witches, that's going to be a show. You know how to contact us. You know how to uh, send us your questions for the book or questions for the show. Now or we're both. rambling. Now we are rambling. It is time to mm-hmm. sign off. So thank you yes. so much, witches, for listening.
1: Yes, love you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, thanks. Do we, with,
1: we don't have a sign off. We do always we? say,
0: "See you next time, witches," and then you say, "Bye." <laughs>
1: Oh, I didn't realize that was the official sign-off. Okay, go ahead.
0: Okay. See you later, witches.
1: Bye!